You should not believe anything that I ever say. There's your cold open. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, November 9th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill. I'm coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it turns out there's a lot less lead in the air than where you are. And from America's left coast, where if your election lasts for more than seven days, you should see a pollster immediately. I'm Ryan Bemrose. And were you, I mean you, not everybody in the audience, just you. There's lead in the air. I mean, what's going on? I don't know. I, you know what? Today was a slow day. I only heard three gunshots while I was prepping for the show this morning. But see, were they celebratory gunshots? Because we have a vaccine. It's hard to tell whether or not somebody was was bleeding out happily or unhappily. And I, this is why we do the shows 24 hours after no agenda, because there was one thing the no agenda show taught us. Something big always happens on No Agenda Show Day or right after the show. So what we did, we would just schedule ourselves right into that point of time. So so that we can catch and badly report on all the stuff that No Agenda missed because it happened on show day. But we get it before they do. So we win. And that's how media works today. (laughs) It doesn't matter if your reporting is good. It only matters who reports it first. Yeah, this I just went to randomly check as I do every now and then to see what the stock market was doing, especially, you know, being a Monday, I wanted to see where it was starting at, where the futures were looking at. And I looked at it and I'm like, okay, I know I have really bad eyes, but this, this doesn't seem right. I mean, it was up the, uh, Dow was up like 1700 points. It's normalized. Did did it go up like in a vertical, like a Biden style glitch vertical line or yes, it's, it just went like right up and it's like, Oh, what's this all about? And then I see, that uh, Pfizer claims that a vaccine that is uh, just finishing up a a third stage trial, granted it was a small trial because it looked like just under 100 people, but the end results are pretty amazing. They're saying 90% effectiveness with no side effects from anybody in the trial. So I don't know. I know there's been a lot of talk and we've talked a lot about whether you can even have a vaccine for this type of thing, but either way, it's an interesting news story. Well, okay. So here's the first question. Are you going to get it? Probably. Yeah. I mean, yikes. It's uh, I'm not afraid of vaccines. The, the phrase over my dead body comes to mind. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I don't know if it's going to be. And, and it might actually be or COVID. Something's going to get you. I mean, it depends. Well, I, I'll, I'll have well, a, it's not going to be COVID because COVID was gone back in April, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, we know it's not gone. I mean, uh, Adam Curry's buddy okay, that he okay. does uh, we, the, the podcast index gone. thing with, he just got it. I mean, it's not gone. Okay, it's yes, happening. Yes. The, the, the flu virus it is not gone because nobody has ever come up with a vaccine for the common cold. And to say the least, I'm skeptical about this one. And this is, I think, uh, just th- a, there, a harsh. There flu. hasn't been a pandemic for a while, and I'm not afraid of the common cold. In fact, I. I not official advice, and uh, Sir Bemrose is not a doctor, and Grumpy Old Ben's is not a medical show. But I will tell you, I normally really? don't get I don't get the flu shot all the every year. 
And the main reason that I don't is because I have a functioning immune system and I prefer to put my trust in that. Well, that's because you do some really horrible things to your body. Yes. Like apparently go out and get the flu or, or the common cold. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll have a conversation. I have a GP that I actually trust. So, I mean, there'll be a conversation to be had, but, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of vaccines normally. So we'll see how this works out. And, uh, well, the the one thing that that is compelling about and and going to be general about every single covid vaccine is the fact that the vast majority of vaccines ever approved in the united states is, have taken uh, 18 to 36 months of tr- uh, clinical trials and testing in order to be approved and this one apparently they did in how many weeks um, operation you know, warp speed baby you know corners were cut you know that trials were not conducted that normally should have been, and they were just waived. You you know that this one was not tested. This is the Windows 10 of vaccines, is what I'm telling you. <laughs> and you know what? I, I should have uh, grabbed the audio. Our, our friend Carolyn Blaney from the Hug Story podcast sent me a link to a uh, a YouTube video which contained every Windows startup sound since the beginning. And she wanted me to just start trolling you with those. Yeah, that sounds pretty fucking triggering. Let's go back to vaccines, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, both. I mean, they're 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 uh, interrelated, you know, that, uh, you know, it's the whole Bill and Melinda Gates or Belinda Gates, however, whichever uh, one of these uh, places you're living, whichever dimension. I, but I mean, it, it's it's a lot of fun to poke shit at at Bill Gates for all of the terrible things in Windows. But uh, the first version of Windows I ever worked on was was Vista. And you can laugh at me for that because I do. But Bill wasn't even involved there. Uh, Bill was already pretty much out of the company. The CEO was Balmer. Uh, he he doesn't he also didn't do much in the day to day, but he would he would poke in and and say things like, you know, he'd pop his head in into the, the meeting room and say, developers, 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 but otherwise wasn't really there. But yeah, I, I you know, I actually shook Steve Ballmer's hand once. I have never personally been in the same room as Bill Gates because he was gone before I started working there. And that was in 02, 03, something like that. So did you and Ballmer like, you know, tap toes and underneath the stalls? No, handsome- I even resisted the urge to punch him. <laughs> That would have probably done away with your current job at the yeah. time. I mean, maybe uh, he or he might be one of those guys that's like, hey, I respect you for disagreeing vehemently. Um, <laughs> that would be. But, uh, OK, let's forget whether or not you, uh, you know, you want to take the vaccine or all of that stuff around it. The timing of this announcement. What do you make of that? I I think that they probably were they they were probably rushing through the trials as fast as they probably possibly could and then somebody said hey uh go ahead and approve this now that biden can force it on everybody in the country well i think it's interesting because i don't think anyone was sitting on the vaccine i think it's still not ready they just said well it's close enough and let's go ahead and and pull the handle on government approval because that's you'd like to think that government approval is is brought by you know something being ready or or having been through enough trials and and in the default case that's probably it but in the general case when something is as political as covid you know damn well that there's somebody there with a button that they're their thumb over it going okay uh let me know as soon as it's politically favorable to trot this out okay go 
our friend cold acid of the rare encounter podcast who sounds a lot like bill gates is in the uh, troll room right now and he says that vista was actually pretty decent so i'm really this is he may be bill gates he may uh, be bill or, gates <laughs> or he may be cold acid and Would uh, that change what you think oh no yeah mind. and you want to be in the chat room in the troll room when we do these shows live no agenda stream.com is the place you want to be mondays and fridays noon eastern time but i wonder if this announcement would have come last monday if i may if i may digress a little bit farther yeah um vista had a great many improvements over xp and it was so long in coming that that people desperately needed something that wasn't windows xp even though there were a number of holdouts that stuck on it for 12 years um but Vista was not necessarily an improvement. It was, in fact, the first version of Windows or the, the only version of Windows ever released that ran slower on modern hardware than its predecessor did on its modern hardware. It, it, it was it was not well tested and it was uh, really, really, really bloated. It, it actually brought in Windows 7 was the first point where somebody said, hey, you know, maybe we should think about reducing the amount of time and hardware that it takes to do everything you mean rather than having the viewpoint of well the hardware keeps getting faster hard drives that, keep that getting was. bigger more memory keeps getting bigger let's just keep bloating in and and it was true for every version of windows up through xp and me and and win 2k it didn't matter what you threw in the software because the hardware was getting so much faster that you could not possibly code your way into a performance bottleneck and somewhere along there, Moore's law shifted into a lower gear. And, uh, you know, we, we hit the, we hit the megahertz, uh, boundary right around that time, uh, which was, it was kind of the point. I, I don't know if anybody remembers, but there was a time when every, every 16 months or 18 months, you could go buy a brand new CPU, which was running at twice the clock speed. Yes. And somewhere along the line, we hit right around the three and a half to four gigahertz range for clock speed. And we reached a point where physics was like, yeah, your chip is going to melt down if you go faster than this. And we're like, OK, then we'll stick it under four, make four gigahertz. Yeah. And almost every improvement since then has been uh, cache lines and parallelization and more cores and all kinds of things to get more performance while limited at a particular clock speed. But people and have needed I, less in, you know, overall for what they do with computers. We've talked about that before. The fact is a lot of people are getting by on a phone or a tablet now. So it's totally changed well, the desktop market and the I laptop do, market's still there. T today's phones and tablets are, are, 10 times the computer that we had to work on in Vista. But yes, I understand what you mean. Yeah. I remember when that was like kind of the, uh, the Nirvana that they were trying to get yeah. us to, which was a cell phone that you could just, when you get home, plug into a bigger monitor and keyboard and the cell phone was fast enough and had all the, what you needed to do everything right on it. And we're very close to that. Windows XP was, was quite happy in one gigabyte of Ram. And, uh, you know, it, it ran, it ran all right on 256 uh, kilobytes. Uh, no, not, uh, megabytes. Sorry. <laughs> Kilobytes. It's, it's yeah, you're shrinking that um, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it, Windows XP ran in 256 megabytes of RAM and it would most consumer computers were about half a gig of RAM. And if you had one gig, you were doing pretty well. And then uh, one of the huge concerns with Vista, one of the reasons it was considered bloated because it was 
was that you had to go all the way up to two gigabytes of RAM just to be able to get the thing to perform well. And that was basically a fourfold increase. It was, it was insane. And nowadays, two gigabytes of RAM is what you need in order to be able to launch more than one tab in Chrome. Well, it is getting to be a big bloated nightmare. There's no question about that. And uh, which is why we do the show, which is why we talk about a lot of the tech stuff that's going on. The uh, when it gets to the vaccine again, though, if this was one week earlier, you have to wonder if we're dealing with a much different election result or do we just feel that the fraudulent activities that may have allegedly been happening around the election maybe had an effect on that that was so big that it didn't really matter even if well, a vaccine uh, was announced you, you can call this wishful thinking but i actually want to see all of these allegations of fraud either uh you know fully investigated or or at least we we need i i want to know because this is a for for all of the the hyperbole that was thrown about during the election this actually is uh the end of democracy or or you know this is how you if you destroy the public's faith in being able to come up with a government for the people and by the people that that's the illusion by which a large number of oligarchs have have held power for 50 years is is giving people the illusion that your vote matters and it has been eroding for a while but I think if this stands, then no amount of Twitter and Facebook censorship are going to be able to keep the general public even remotely confident that elections mean anything. And we, we've seen in lots and lots and lots of other collapsed regimes around the world that the moment that people have, don't believe that they have a say in their government then it it is the clock is ticking on how long that government can last now the the us government is bigger than any other bureaucracy ever created on the planet with the possible exception of the eu and it will take a long time to topple but how long did it take for rome to finally collapse but it was a delightful thing to watch but uh, harry hamster in the troll room says uh, you know i say we don't have democracy and that's true we have a republic and it's interesting if any of these stop gaps are going to be pushed when I into say place. democracy. I'm not talking about the specific. You, you love making that distinction. Oh, democracy versus republic. I'm talking about the the idea that we have uh, the ability to vote as people and have a say in the government as compared to, say, monarchy or communism or straight oligarchy, where you are not even told you have a say. You're just told to sit down, shut up or you'll be shot. Well, and the reality is. There's some most people, I think, listening to our show understand when it comes to an election like this, the result on Election Day means something, but doesn't mean everything. There is nothing that is legally binding the Electoral College to vote in any which way or whatever. They can do whatever they want. And if the states feel like something went on, if the people that are at that level feel like there were shenanigans in the state it's i don't believe it's happened in our lifetime but you, it may you mean have the legislature on. yeah yeah I, I i think that goes to the legislature well maybe the governor but I'm, I'm it goes to the state which is all the constitution cares about it's up to the state to decide how that works 
you, you know, the specifics about it are fascinating. I do want to respond to one thing in the troll room because unfortunately our show, we listen to, we pay attention to the troll room during the show, which could be to the detriment, but whatever. Um, Mutter says, where have you been the last four years? Uh, presumably in response to my point about people don't have confidence. I think that the big difference is uh, it, you, you can divide the country into the left half of the country stopped believing that elections were fair when Trump won in 2016. Um, but the other half of the country was enough to keep the illusion together to an extent. I mean, you, you could, if you could ignore the shrill shrieking of the unelected quote unquote journalists, but I think what the 2020 election did was destroy faith in the election for the other half. And it didn't, restore faith in the election for the left side it it destroyed faith in the election in the electoral process or if 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 the courts don't reverse this it will destroy faith in the election or electoral process for the right half of the country the left half of the country was already disillusioned and didn't believe in the elections they are already at the any means necessary ends justify the means and honestly i think that a lot of the people who voted on the left do not care whether it's fraudulent or not, as long as the fraud goes their way. And when the whole country reaches that point, which might be the 2024 election, then electoral politics in this country is done. It's a sham. It, 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 no, nobody cares anymore. And when everybody realizes that this is just the oligarchs playing musical chairs, then we're, we're going to see the kind of thing that we've seen in other countries that never came here because we had Facebook because we had a Republic because we have protections in place. The interesting thing is about the left, even though they cried Russian interference with the last election that went, never went beyond. Well, we saw propaganda on the face bags. It never went anything that I remember seeing. The left never came out and said the voting process itself was skewed. Now, they don't like the fact that we have the Electoral College. They are under the mind then because of they saw the results and went, well, we got more popular votes that should elect the president. And that is the problem <laughs> they have with the system was they don't like the stopgap that's put in there. They don't like the Electoral College because they well, see they don't like it that now. they won the popular vote. But we talked about that. The popular vote would change i believe if you change the rules i it, yes it absolutely would and we we definitely talked about that uh the the funny thing is and and you can you can the, the one thing that is constant especially if you watch memes on the internet is the sheer and utter hypocrisy of people who are uh, on board with the public narrative and by that i mean the electoral college is bad only because it elected the orange man. Right. If, if the electoral college thing we're seeing in the media today were true and it, it wouldn't matter if the, suppose for the moment that, you know, Biden was leading in electoral votes, but Trump had 10 million more popular votes. Right. Do you think that the people on the left would be shouting the same thing? No. Do you think that anybody would be shouting the same thing? No. The Electoral College is a problem only when it elects the wrong person and otherwise is fine. And 
This is a tendency that I see in way, way too many people, even people who claim to be educated, which usually means that they have a, you know, a a 10 or 20 year degree in college, which doesn't mean educated. It just means brainwashed. But uh, the people who even claim to be educated and have letters after their name will call out some strategy saying, well, we need to change the rules of the game because in this case, it would help my side. And it's it is tremendously short sighted. It's the same reason why it is such a terrible idea to cheer on Obama or Trump for ignoring Congress and legislating from the executive order. It is every single time that you hand more power to somebody in government, it's the same kind of short sightedness, which is that when you when you change the rules. The next time that the pendulum swings back, the other side is going to use those changed rules against you. Right. And you're not going to like those rules anymore. So the rules need to be changed to not just because in the moment it would help my side and forget the future. It, it if, if you're going to make a rule change, you need to make it so that it helps everybody, no matter what, who is in power or, or what is, you know, what seat is occupied by which oligarch. Right. And, you know, I'm exaggerating slightly, but that's the same reason why Biden went from one day saying, ah, Trump and all the supporters are Nazis to the next day saying, oh, I want to be everybody's president. Let's all unify. Um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of <laughs> Nazis, how about making lists of Trump report or Trump supporters? supporters? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I don't have anything else there other than that is one of the most reprehensible fucking fascist Nazi bullshit things that I have ever seen in my life. And of course they're doing it. The two-party system has gotten toxic. We know this. There is no easy solution for the situation the United States finds itself in because what you basically have is, you know, very similar to a, you know, bad divorce where both sides, neither one wants to give on anything, even though if it's not even something they really want, you know, like the woman's like, no, no, I want his Playboy magazines. You know, I mean, stuff like that. You know, they don't really want it. They just want to hurt the other side. That's all the government in the United States has been doing now for, uh, you know, a decade or two. There's uh, no good solution to this where the two sides can't come together. I mean, that would be the solution. I just don't see that happening. I don't see a good pathway to saying, well, let's get back to compromise rather than vilifying the other side. Well, and- I've I, I told you in the past what is going to be necessary in order to heal the the divide in this country and you're not going to like it um we're going to have to start talking to each other again and and by that i mean face to face and it, people will not willingly give up their their iv drip of social media but uh and and, and i'm not suggesting this because it would be a tremendously authoritarian move but you might have to just go out and ban all social media and say people need you. I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't think that would work, honestly. So I'm not, I'm again, not suggesting it, but as long as people can hook up with other online personas who think exactly the same as they do, then why would they ever introduce themselves to physical people who might disagree and also might be able to shout back if, if you piss them off? You know, the beauty of the online uh, system is it is probably, uh, you know, the, it, well, it's best described by uh, 
um, something I saw in Penny Arcade for a while, which was uh, John Gabriel's uh, Greater Internet Fuckwad Theorem. Are you familiar with that one? I think I brought it up once before. Not that I recall. Okay. Well, the theorem is that when you take uh, anonymity and uh, a normal person plus anonymity plus an audience, you get a total dickwad. <laughs> and it, it, it it's a simple it, i mean it's it's a you you've seen it everywhere online is it, it is so much easier to become uncivil online because if you piss somebody off you know like if you if you get into something with somebody on twitter you know what what is the ultimate thing you can do on twitter you say the most horrible terrible hateful thing that you would never say to somebody's face and then you block them because, hey, look, I don't have to face the consequences of the awful thing I just said because Twitter just lets me disconnect with people. That doesn't work in real life because you'll get your fucking teeth punched in. Right. Yeah. There is no repercussion, uh, which is one of the reasons why I've always used my real name. It probably was a dumb thing to do on social media because it does keep you in check. Now, the people that run around are, social are you media claiming that Darren O'Neill is your real name. It is. Yeah, that is the uh, sticking to that story. The people that have used pseudonyms are probably smarter because you're a whole lot harder to find and uh, a whole lot harder to uh, for repercussions to happen to you when the uh, when the overlords overlords on the left take over the country and start looking for anybody that ever said anything bad about Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or AOC. And you'll all be put into the uh, reeducation camps. I mean, I'll be right there with you. I'll be, I'll be like, hey, yeah, I'll still, still waiting because it'll only be a matter of time before the, the Zephyr no longer carries passengers. It's just carrying boxcars full of people. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting digression of a country built upon these very basic things. I mean, the First Amendment is very clear about the freedom of speech, but we are living in a time. Where people are like, well, no, 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 we, 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 we can't have people saying hateful things. And it's like, why? What really bothers you about people saying hateful things? And, and to not understand that slippery slope that comes with it, which is the, the, the concept that any ideas are now going to be kept down that people just don't like under the guise of, oh, that's hate. That's hateful. You're such a boomer. I know. You know, if if you were younger, you would not have been taught that. You would have been taught that your feelings are special and you are a special snowflake and whatever you feel is the most important thing in the world and nobody should ever be allowed to harm your feelings because that would be wrong and bad and that person would be a deplorable Trump supporter. Exactly. I mean, we're now living in the world where saying I am against homosexuality from a moral perspective now makes that hate speech, even though you could follow that up with. Uh, but I'm not going to do anything to stop you from what you're doing. I still love you. I think you're a great person. I just think the act of this is against yeah. my moral, moral I, like, code. Like I told you, we, we have lost the culture war. Those are the old values. The old values are sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. 
the new values is uh, I am a special snowflake and you may not say anything that might bother me in any way. And by the way, I get to choose what, whether or not what you say bothers me. So you'd better just not say anything to me at all, because if I'm in a particularly bad mood, I can completely ruin your life and cancel you from society because you said something that I decided to take offense at. If I can quote the Daleks, you will obey. Destroy. You will destroy. Oh, then we can also go to uh, the board. Eliminate. You will be assimilated. <laughs> yes. You will be assimilated. It doesn't matter what Re- you think. You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. Yes. The Windows 10 experience will be updated. Yeah, resistance is futile. So it seems. But that's if you give up, that is where you lose. So and 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 that's one of the reasons why. And and I'm not saying this because of of any particular support for trump but i hope that he never gives up until the supreme court tells him to at which point then i i hope and think he will uh, i agree but i i you know i think he will but more importantly you know the the point at which trump becomes the villain that they say he is is if the supreme court says biden won and he doesn't step down i think he will but that would be the point Right now, the villain they say he is, he, he he's he's fighting back against a bully. Yeah. And and right now, the bully is practically everybody who has something to gain from the continued existence of the ridiculous uh, military industrial complex bureaucracy that has built up for close to 100 years, uh, well, 80 years since FDR. You know, we we have been building and building and building and the, the swamp that Trump got elected trying to fight against is fighting back and hitting him from all sides and now saying, well, he should just give up and he's not giving up. And, you know, he might do something noble that you would find in a Hollywood script and say or, you know, or, or I guess it uh, was that what Bernie did where you know, something that you would find where it'd be like. Oh, well, you know, people will get hurt if there's rioting because I stick around. So I'm just going to give up just so that people don't get hurt. I, I don't want that bullshit because right. the people who if people get hurt because they're rioting, then then the people need to stop fucking rioting and personal responsibility. That's on you. And more importantly, if if, you know, a bunch of rioters come to your house, you should already have guns so you can defend your own castle. But that's a different thing. No. If you give in the the overall effect of Trump giving in to bullies who want to literally destroy our ability, the, the public's ability to have any effect on their government, if Trump gives into that, then the consequences for the next 50 years will be orders of magnitude worse than a few people getting bricks to the head because a bunch of fucking idiots through tantrums on the street because they weren't able to cheat the election. It, well, it, the, the number, just the effects over the next 50 years of, of cementing the ability for the oligarchs to just say, yeah, we don't care if you vote or not, because this is what we're going to do would be tremendous. Well, the, the problem, civil war that's coming will be far worse than any tantrum. And I should stop and let you talk. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a little revved up here. I mean, a the little pro- ranty there. Sorry. The, the problem with this for the good of the country argument is, you know, even Mitt Romney, that what an 
asshole it, that guy it's, is. It's not for the good of the country. It's for the good of the left half of the country. Yeah, well, for the you know, it's like, well, we don't, you know, even even claiming that there's fraud, that's not good for their country. It's like, what if it's true, Mitt? I mean, this is. Do you then yeah. just turn the other way if it's true, just for even? No, and, let's let the process go. Where were all these people? A lot of these people were in politics when we had the Al Gore hanging Chad thing. Went forty seven days. Where are those people now? Only seven days after the election. You, you, you mean all of the all of the people in the Democrat side who said never concede Gore? Yes. Well, yeah. these are the yeah, same ones that. that told Biden before this, no matter what happens on election night, don't concede. So yeah. now that it's going the other way. Oops. And, and and to be clear, it would be almost as bad for, you know, if if. If by some weird coincidence, somebody up in the bureaucracy decided to unilaterally say, "Okay, that's it. Fuck you. Trump is the winner without an investigation. It's not Trump being installed that I'm going for. This is not an ends justify the means thing. This is literally I would like to try to continue and salvage some of this great experiment that started 247 years ago. That is, we would like a free country. And and I'd like to continue living in a country that I can at least pretend is free and that people have a say in. And for that, I, I don't know who's going to come out on top at the end, but I will decry every single person who says, oh, just declare Biden the winner or just declare a winner. No, no, there is some shit going on and we don't know what went on. And I want to know what went on before anybody makes some very, very long term decisions based on the results that we don't understand. Yeah. Moving the goalposts is a good way to put it, because it is what is going on. There have been multiple areas in the country, a lot of them using the same software, which have shown issues in the counting. And I would say since that is the case, if there's even one area that has been proven, and it seems like this is the case, that this software caused a problem with accurate counting, then anybody that used that software should do a manual recount of every ballot and see if they match. Is that too much to ask for? I don't really yes. understand how it is, but I mean, the left will tell you because their guy's winning right now. There have yeah. been cases of the people that run these counting these areas where the ballots are taken in where it's like, oh, they didn't put in the, uh, you know, the mail in ballots are different. People haven't done this normally. And one of the things that most mail in ballots have, I don't know if yours have it in Washington, could you do this all the time? But a lot of the mail in ballots, you had to have a witness that put they witnessed that you were the person filling out the ballot. And then the witness had to sign it and put their address. Well, a lot of the witnesses, no, no address. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no requirement there. Uh, in Washington, we are required to sign, and, and I've discussed this, sign the outside of the envelope and then put it into the mail. No, I'll thank you. I'll just put it into the drop box. I don't need anybody walking by a mailbox to be able to pull it out and forge my signature, but whatever. Um, there is, it is theoretically, people's signatures are matched to the signature on file. Uh, I don't think that they do that for the general count because it would be an immense amount of work, but I imagine it might happen if they do recounts or, or in precincts where things are close. Maybe, I mean, I'm, I, I know I'm still hopelessly naive thinking that the elections are fair, but in theory, the way it's supposed to work here is that your signature 
is on the outside of the envelope. They verify that your signature matches, and then they take the envelope and separate it from the ballot. And then the ballot goes into a pile where it's not attached. And then those ballots are counted. So they keep, they have the envelope that says you voted, but that's not actually attached to the ballot, which is just in a big pile. And, and of course, there is a ridiculous amount of trust in this system required that all of this will be handled correctly. Right. Who's verifying the signatures? A person that just kind of looks, ah, they look kind of alike, or is there a computer? It's almost certainly a person. Yeah. I mean, Uh, if the technology exists today, to do that it hasn't it hasn't for the entire time that we've been voting by mail now here's the other question then because there are states that we're not normally doing all of this mail in like you are in washington so if there was a state like whether it's michigan wisconsin something like that normally didn't do a lot of the mail in they're doing the mail in they have the rule that you have to have a witness who has to sign and put their full address now the people in washington who are Biden supporters are looking at that and going, well, those people that didn't fill that out. Well, that's not fraud. We don't need to have that information. So, yeah, those votes should be counted. But everybody on the right's going, well, no, they didn't follow the rules. Ergo, yeah. well, whatever the rules are, they are the rules. And, uh, you know, ah, but that's I, how I, you get I, to I, the Electoral I, College debate again. Right. Well, I'm fine with that. No, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I am very firmly in the camp that the Constitution should be read and followed, which is puts me in the significant minority, especially amongst people who swear an oath to it and then don't bother reading it ever in their lives. But the Constitution is silent on what the specifics are, and, and it should be silent about what the specifics are for how to conduct an election that is left to the states. And more importantly, it's left to the times. We don't conduct elections the same way they did in 1790. And for good reason, because you there's more people. It, it's not feasible. And also there's technology that can help us. Oh, so that technology is being abused. But then what do you say to all these poor disenfranchised people who just couldn't find somebody to be a witness or the ones that just couldn't They weren't smart uh, enough to read the, that they had to put their address. And why? Why do you want their vote not to count, Sir Bemrose? Well, if if I may. Uh, briefly channel what uh, I say DC girl, for example, might say uh, the people work, the volunteers at the polling place are generally honest, very helpful and will witness for you. They will help you read it. They will help you with, through things. There are certain things they're not allowed to do. Like uh, they can't actually be looking over your shoulder when you mark your ballot, but it, it, yeah, that's what the poll workers are for. If you are confused about how the vote works, you talk to the poll person because presumably you're in a physical polling space. That method has worked for a really long time. It generally minimizes corruption, unlike this online bullshit. Yeah. And this is what I predict will happen if any of these states, if they do get a manual count and start looking at these things and start throwing out a bunch of ballots, the left will come out. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will come out and say, you see, the right is just disenfranchising people for just just taking their votes off because they didn't follow the directions, the little details. The does only, that really matter? The only point where I disagree with you on that point is yeah. that I do not believe that Joe and Kamala will need to come down out of their ivory tower to do that <laughs> because well, that, well, every yeah. fucking journalist on the planet will have screamed it from the hilltops well, that's long true. before they can even know that it's an issue. That's true, because the rules don't matter anymore. 
that's the beauty of it. But Joe wants more rules. He wants you to wear a mask. Then you say, well, that rule doesn't matter. And then he's put you in jail because yeah. then the rules matter. <laughs> well, no, the, the, it, it is in in an autocracy, in, in an oligarchy, in in a a this one person or this one group has ultimate power. Uh, you don't need. I mean, what, what you're describing is uh, the, the rule of a person versus the rule of law. In the rule of law, you have a set of rules that are written down somewhere. They are publicly accessible and everybody knows, presumably, what laws are, apply to them. And then if you break one, you are punished. The rule of a person is is the tool of of any kind of authoritarian dictatorship ever, which is the rule is don't do anything that I would punish you for. And no, you don't know what the rules are. And the the oh let's go ahead and disregard whatever rules are inconvenient to us is precisely trying to move away from the rule of law and going to the rule of of so i said so and therefore it's true you you brought up the the idea that oh there's a there's a signature an extra signature line in particular states and you're right that does seem weird to me because i've never seen it before I understand that it that it seems logical, but the important thing is no matter what rules your state sets, whatever rule, you know, those rules were published by the legislature, by the secretary of state for every state before the election. There have been rules on file, whatever rules those are, those have to be followed. And if they weren't followed, then you have election fraud. That's not a difficult concept. But it's being completely ignored by a lot of people who are saying, well, I don't care what the rules are as long as Biden wins or as long as Trump wins or whatever. It, that, that's not how the rule of law is supposed to work in, in, in a civilized society. No, but we're clearly are, losing our society. Well, and when they're selectively enforced. But uh, weren't you much happier when somebody said poll worker and you just thought stripper? I don't know that I ever did, but I don't <laughs> think I, I might have been denied my childhood. Thanks, dug it up. I mean, it's always good. You pick up stuff in the uh, troll room and then you pass it off uh, as your own. Now, I'm too honest. That was a I thought it was a good line. And uh, that's what where you want. It was be. a good line. The uh, and, and I totally failed to yes. And it because that's not my style. But it no, was a good line. It which is why setup. you will never be on. Who are these podcasts? That is the I number one reason. Yeah, that guy doesn't like me. <laughs> He wants everybody to go along and play I along. Some somebody was somebody I was I was in his Discord the other day and somebody went in and, and started, you know, giving him a bunch of shit like, uh, how come you don't put out transcripts and how come you don't do this? And I demand that you do this. And I'm like, well, here's some resources that you can use to get what you want without creating extra work for Carl. And Carl comes back. And I, I loved it because I mean talk about yes ending. He's like, wow. That's really weird. Sir Bemrose was actually on my side for the first time ever <laughs> and helpful, like, which I mean, that really is outside of your comfort zone. I, 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 I'm not the same in every community I'm in every once in a while. I like to fool people into thinking I'm a good person. There's, there's at least one where you're nice. Wow. But there have been more than one pre-show where he has called me a troll. And, and in one case, he even called me his personal troll, which I loved. Wow. That is, that is, that is moving up the, uh, Moving up the ladder that, there. That brings no, me up to almost CSB status. I know that's uh, that's hard to do. That is uh, that's very hard to do. And uh, we, congratulations on that. Which is you know I'm looking for it. I got to get on to uh, who are these podcasts because I will play along. And you were you were right the other day. We were talking after the show, and you're like, well, he, I I'm not the yes and guy. I'm the more no, and here's why you're wrong guy. And nobody wants that guy on their show. No, nobody <laughs> wants to talk to that guy. In fact, 
you're weird. What the <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? It's like, no, you're wrong. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Because, I mean, you need differing viewpoints. I think that's what people like about Grumpy Old Ben's is we try to cover things as fairly as we can. We have a background that is more unique than some, being that we both have a tech background, although they are vastly different tech backgrounds. So we cover that sector, I think, fairly well. And we try to look at what's going on in the world. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of talking heads on you know CNN and MSNBC when they're talking about voter fraud and mail-in voting and all this stuff, they're just talking about it from a pie in the sky mentality where we're talking about it from, well, let's see, can this actually be done? Uh, Zorton, Zortan, however you say it, in the troll room the other day was talking about the concept of doing the vote in the blockchain. And he said he was thinking of writing up a white paper. And I'm like, well, you know, how do you keep people from selling their vote? One of the things we talked about. And he's like, well, you really can't. He's like, but you can't now either, which is true. You can't keep somebody from selling their vote much easier now that mail-in is becoming more common, whether that stays after, you know, if the Rona goes away will be interesting to see, but he's right. The only thing you can do when it comes to selling your vote is make the penalties harsh and enforce them. Well, but that's the only thing you can do for a lot of antisocial behaviors, which is why we call them crimes. Like if, you know, the, the simplest example I can think of is, is murder. You, you can't undo that. The only thing you can do is, and, and you can't prevent it unless you, you, you know, go full lock everybody in the, you know, it, it, but what you can do is make the penalties very, very harsh. And hopefully that keeps people from doing the bad things. Yeah. I mean, you could make the penalties really harsh for, say, voter fraud. And well, honestly, I think, you know, the the only appropriate penalty for all of the leftists who committed voter fraud in order to try to get Biden in, the only appropriate penalty would be to install Trump. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, I was not surprised by this stat, but, it, you know, it kind of tickled me a little bit that just how crazy. The left is a D.C. girl who may be on on Friday. I think she said she was free. And I was like, are we still going to be talking about the election, you know, two weeks after? And uh, yeah, probably, (laughs) probably. So we may have some boots on the ground information coming up from her on Friday. But she posted because she's in Virginia in the Washington, D.C. area that there was a press release or something came out. The local liquor stores in D.C. said they sold more champagne in the last two days than they did the last two years combined. So, yeah, not surprised. The people are going nuts. Are are, are we going to even mention the uh, the fact that uh, every leftist city in the entire country had an incredible, massive super spreader event on Tuesday? No, no, we can't, because that would be wrong to mention that. I mean, it was OK when it was Trump having rallies. Then it was a super spreader event. Trump having something for the new Supreme Court justice super spreader event. But when the liberals go out to celebrate a Joe Biden victory as yeah. proclaimed by the mainstream media, no, that's okay. the, the only conclusion that I can come to, and, and this is going directly by what the mainstream media are concerned about spreading COVID and what they don't seem to have any problem with spreading COVID is that apparently leftists can't spread the virus. The virus only spreads amongst Republicans. 
Wow, that's an interesting stat. That's the only thing I can come up with, which, by the way, I kind of agree. All of these 20 something millennial leftist retard uninformed kids can't spread the virus because they have healthy immune systems and the virus is no longer prevalent enough in the the society to really have huge spreads. It's perfectly fine to make these, but for some reason, if the people are wearing MAGA hats, the virus seems completely attracted to it. According to the mainstream media. Oh man, you know, when, when Trump went to Omaha and there were thousands of people that, you know, they, what did they link? Like, like 10,000 COVID deaths to that one Trump rally or something was a stat I saw. Yeah. And they tried to do that too, with the biker rally in Sturgis. Although I've never saw that actually translate into deaths. They were trying to say how many cases that caused. We know right. Nobody cares about deaths anymore. They're too verifiable. It just has to be cases, right? Cases have to be the thing because those are going up because of the way they're doing the testing. Although I do want to just point out, I want to bring you a quote that was in the AP article, a couple from uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, because, you know, he's the guy that guy I know. But, you know, Biden, he says he's going to believe the scientists. And this is the guy he's talking about that he's going to believe when it came to this vaccine being 90 percent effectiveness coming from there. Fauci called that just extraordinary, saying not very many people expected it would be as high as that. And then he followed with. It's going to have a major impact on everything we do with respect to COVID. Wow. All of a sudden, it's going to be like, oh, no big deal. Joe's in. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. When when somebody uses that, that, you know, listen to the science line on you. I just want to know, are they going to listen to the data scientists who are currently analyzing the data set, which is how many votes were where and when and at what time? And listening to the the data scientists who are dumping that into computers and trying to do simulations and statistical analysis on them and saying, yeah, uh, the chance that this could have happened was significantly lower than the chance that Kanye would win a write in election in Ukraine. Right. Well, did you also see and I, I hope I'm not blasting the wrong platform here, but there was a data scientist who was tweeting for a while that the data is out there. He would like to do the research, except to get his hands on the data was like two hundred thousand dollars to do this. And a lot of people on Twitter, because he was like, Trump, do this. You have the money. You can do this. And everybody on Twitter is like, well, go do a GoFundMe. And he did. And then they deplatformed him. Yeah, I was going to say he 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 already lost because he started out on Twitter. Right. <laughs> which I, I, I mean, you know, we were talking about Twitter being uh, Orwellian levels of censorship before the election. And they were like, you ain't seen nothing yet. And now you can't tweet about MC fucking hammer without getting a tag put on your tweet and a hold put on it. And you probably aren't being delivered to your followers because you mentioned a word that they have decided is must be suppressed. Yeah. Daring to want to look at the data to match it to the voter rolls to try to put everything together and say, hey, you know, are there areas where there were way more voters than were registered? Is there uh, data that shows, you know, weird things? I mean, there was I think there was one thing I read that said there were over 400,000 ballots in one area for Joe Biden that didn't vote in anything else on the ballot, which is weird. 
as well that that many people would take the time to vote and only fill out for the president. I know some people may do that, but that just seemed like a really large number. So there are some things that need to be looked at. The fact that GoFundMe will take this guy off their platform after he had raised well over $100,000. He moved to something else, and I think he's going to reach his goal or maybe already has. So that's an interesting story as well. But the fact that GoFundMe is like, nope, any means necessary. Yes. And, you know, the nice thing is we're all going to if, if we ever get out of this without our country being entirely broken, we're all going to have a pretty good idea exactly which companies need to fail badly because they have literally are, are you know, any means necessary trying to disenfranchise and and destroy the, the rights and benefits of half the people in the country more than I'm pretty sure. Although far less than half of the fake and dead people. Well, yeah, and again, you I'm, can't li- I mean, you can't coincide when you are this anti the other side. I mean, you can't have any reasonable conversations. I mean, there are some of these people and again, generalizing, but overall on the left are the ones that are like, oh, you voted for Trump. I can't be your friend. I don't really see that the other way. Maybe I'm just missing it. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong people. I- I'm certain it happens yes. because, uh, you know, in, in a large enough population, uh, anything that has a reasonable expectation of happening in 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 an or relationship in a large enough you know population, it will happen. Now that, by the way, don't don't turn that around and say, well, then Biden could have got all these votes because that is an and situation. That is all of these small chances. You know, if you have a, a minuscule chance of something happening, but you try over and over and over and over and over again, then eventually it, it is statistically likely it will happen. But if you have a tiny minuscule chance of something happen, and then that has to happen, and then another thing has to happen, which has a tiny chance, another thing has to happen, which has a tiny chance, and you have a really long chain of them, and the result is that somehow Biden gets more votes than Trump. No, that's not how statistics work. Are you sure? I, I, mean- I want to I drop something kind of fundamental on you, and, and this is a theme that we've had on a lot of shows, but I'm going to go ahead and give a name to it. I'm going to... It's so important. I'm going to give it a name. Bemrose's second law. What's Bemrose's first law? I don't know yet, but I'm just assuming this is not the most (laughs) fundamental thing I'll ever come up with in my life. So I'm calling it the second. Okay. You're leaving a placeholder. That's nice. Yes, that's it. It is important to, to keep you hedge your bets, keep your options open. Um, that is, uh, it, it doesn't matter if you are wrong or right. If you don't, if you try to suppress the truth or if the truth is far more important than being wrong or right, you know what? I haven't, I haven't formulated this correctly. I might post it on NAS with actual language, but the gist of it is it, it doesn't matter if you're right. It doesn't matter if you're wrong. If you don't want the truth of the situation, if you seek to not understand the situation, then that is wrong. And you, you, the, I'm going to have to reformulate that, but have I ever told you my definition of of the difference between stupidity and ignorance? No, I mean, I know the definition, but what is your definition? The the one that I always operate under is that stupidity is willful ignorance. Uh, I actually, you know, you, you might not believe this and very few people do because I encounter so much stupidity, but when I encounter people who are ignorant, but want to be not ignorant, I actually have quite a bit of patience. It's one of the reasons, for example, why whenever new producers show up in the troll room, um, they're always popping in and, and, and void zero. Thank you very much. He decided to put my name 
in the help document that said, if you have any trouble with this 40 year old protocol IRC, just go ahead and ping Sir Bemrose. But I help people. And the reason is that when people are stepping in, it's they are ignorant of how IRC works, but they want to learn. And I have a lot of patience for people who don't know something, but they want to learn it. The flip side of that is I have zero patience whatsoever for stupid people. And by that, I mean anybody who is ignorant of something and chooses to stay ignorant. Then I have no time for you. You're just not important. You are not in, you do not need to intersect my life and you need to just get out of the way and stop pestering me. Because if you don't know and you don't want to know, then there is no help and there is no discussing and there's no convincing you. Just go off and jump in a lake. Some and, wallow in their ignorance. And, and, and that brings me back to Twitter. Yes. There the, you go. And and this is why I get so steamed and worked up over big tech censorship, because there there might be, you know, I, I, I mean, there is a lot of evidence of, of voter fraud. There might be some mystical piece of software that all of the deep state have on their uh, as apps on their phones called, uh, you know, hammer scorecard, whatever. And and it might be able to do all this and it might not. I, I, I read up on I was trying to read up on hammer and scorecard because this is kind of a tech show. And I wanted I was like, oh, it's software. I should. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it's good luck finding real information on that. But maybe it exists. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it can do what they say it's doing. Maybe it can't. But. I, I while I don't have that information and would love to learn more, the one thing I can say without a doubt is that when Twitter goes out and censors tweets that say MC Hammer voted because it has the word hammer in it, they are <laughs> not they are not just enforcing ignorance. They are being stupid by the definition that I just brought you. They are enforcing ignorance. They do not want to know the truth. They have already decided that it is politically inconvenient for them to uh, have more information. I I don't care what your position is. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, whatever. If, If you, you know, the one thing that I value above all is the desire for more knowledge, the desire for more information. I want to understand things. And I only want to hang out with people who want more information, who want to be lifetime learners. And if you have decided already that you know it all and therefore are going to block any new information from entering your sphere, there is no space in my sphere for interaction with you. Just go piss off. And Twitter could solve their problem very easily just by changing their terms of service to everything you read here is probably propaganda and a lie. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Just Fact <laughs> check. Twitter false. <laughs> yeah. Blanket. The whole thing. Just be like, don't take anything you read here as factual it's people bullshitting nonstop, and trying to fact check this is, is really similar to i mean remember back before covid when people used to congregate in places you know like you know ballparks and, and restaurants and stuff like that but i mean you could have you know forty thousand people sitting at a ball game now what twitter is basically trying to do is be the police that can you imagine if the ballpark had to have enough people on hand to listen to every conversation going on and fact check what the people were saying to each other, because that's what Twitter is trying to do, which is we're looking at everything everybody's saying, and we're trying to, in almost real time, 
fact check people and then punish them if they say something which doesn't meet our list. Now, I mean, just it wasn't more than just a few days ago. Twitter would be, tell, you know, Trump saying, hey, we're, we're getting to the end of this with this this coronavirus stuff. The you know, we see light at the end of the tunnel and they're like, that's not true. And then, you know, 24 hours later, word comes out that there may be a vaccine where even the uh, the head of the WHO senior advisor says that this vaccine could fundamentally change the direction of the crisis. Well, that sounds like maybe the end is near. And uh, but Twitter would be if Trump said it, boom, that's not true. But now with the WHO says it. Oh, well, that's fine. You, know, you said something. Uh, you know, how how would anybody be able to simultaneously police that many people? The the kind of people who would want to try to monitor and censor that many people simultaneously, which takes a special blend of of technological authoritarian who you know somebody somebody who is utterly convinced that their way is the only way and also that they have the right uh nay the responsibility to impose it on everybody else which happens to be the kind of people who gravitate to high points in these silicon valley companies um they have wet dreams over machine learning because it was never possible it was never logistically feasible to listen to 40,000 simultaneous conversations until we had computers that could do it. And the promise of AI is, yes, we can monitor and police every single one of them. And then we can just highlight and surface every one of them that has wrong think. And that way you can you you can focus the efforts of your punishment team only on the people that our AI has identified as wrong think. And that is why, for example, and I keep bringing this one up, uh, somebody saying MC Hammer voted has the word hammer and vote in it. And the AI immediately flagged that and dropped Twitter's stamp of bullshit on there that said, this is in dispute. Here's the links to the, the official propaganda. But now tell us about the Dominion software. People are talking about that in the troll room. And well, the, I- the Dominion was the most evil thing in the galaxy, but they were mostly in the gamma quadrant. <laughs> I uh, mean, the name of this software. That's what I said. When we talked briefly before the show, I'm like, wasn't this the shapeshifters in uh, Star Trek Voyager, the Dominion? Deep Space Nine, yes. Yeah, Deep Space Nine, right. And it's like, oh, my God, this just this fits too well that that's what this software is called. And, of course, like the Dominion being shapeshifters, you never really know what they are. It seems like it's really hard to find information about the software because you tried. I, I did. Here's what I got. I went to I went to their their. For some reason, the search engines and and I never use Google because you know damn well that they're going to send you wrong places. But uh, I checked with Bing and I checked with DuckDuckGo and uh, well, I would have checked with StartPage, but that's Google. Um, and when when I dug through this, uh, it was actually pretty difficult to find any details of how the system worked. So I'm um, I'm actually going to keep digging because I kind of want to know. But at a high level. Um, here are the important things that I know, and it has nothing to do with technological specifics. Um, well, first of all, uh, the the first result, of course, is dominionvoting.com, which is their main website. Um, the the most important things that they feel like you need to know is uh, uh, the, the three things at the top of their website. Um, they have a link to COVID-19 resources and voting which is mostly a list of links to various state places where you can order online only ballots. Okay. Um, they have a rumor control page, which is an official press release 
that I downloaded and looked at the PDF. It was one page. It was easy. Uh, the only thing you don't have to, because the only thing the PDF said is, of course, we're safe. Of course, we're honest. Of course, you can trust us until um, you're hacked. And the other thing that they had on their website was, and and I actually hadn't heard much about this, uh, but was an official response to the question of whether or not you can use Sharpies to fill out the ballots. I didn't even know this was Trump's favorite marker until this whole thing started. How I, did they, I, not I learned so many things about Sharpies from the rumor <laughs> mill this week. And the, the entire Sharpie thing is is ridiculous because a, 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 a well, okay, depending on how the thing works, of course, Sharpies will work. Or if they don't work, there's going to be a big notice that says don't use it. And by the way, that's one of those election rules. And I, I, I haven't seen one of these Arizona ballots that was in dispute. But if the ballot literally said do not use Sharpie, which if Sharpies really didn't work, it's the kind of thing that you'd want to fucking print on there. Right, right. And if it says do not use felt tip then you can call that an election rule. And therefore anybody who did that voted invalid and you can scream about disenfranchising people all you want. You know, we're disenfranchising all of the poor illegal immigrants who didn't, who voted, but okay, well the, that violates the rules and rule of law, assuming that that still exists. I know I keep harping on it. I'm starting to think that maybe you know, I'm Don Quixote with the fucking windmills because nobody else seems to care about it anymore. But rule of law, as long as we're going to pay lip service to the rule of law, there are a set of rules. They are printed out for everybody. Everybody knows this is how I make my vote work. And if it says no Sharpie and you use a Sharpie, that's an invalid vote and shouldn't be counted. But I don't even think it did because I think that the Sharpies work just fine. And that, in fact, you know, one, it was quite possibly the only thing I believed about the Dominion voting website was they said Sharpies work perfectly fine. Uh, the one concern about Sharpies that a lot of people had was it bleeds through to the other side of the ballot and the ballots are printed on both sides. But here's a neat hint. It's printed down the left side or the right side of the ballot on both pages. And it turns out when you flip it over, it bleeds through to the side that doesn't have any holes to fill in. So really not a huge problem. No. But they it also they, it, don't, they never print the ballot such that there's a, a spot to fill in on one side and a spot to fill in directly the other side of the paper. And therefore, you put one mark and the ink bleeds through and it marks both. That's not how they print the ballots. I, somebody figured that one out early. It'd be a good way for fraud. But it's also another reason why showing up in the polling place still makes the most sense because they're like, here's what you need to vote. You don't need to worry about. Do you have the right pen? I mean, this is going back again, because yeah. now like, if you go to the polling place, the people there are very helpful. They will tell you what you need because you're not the first person who's asked this question. I guarantee. Right. And it's not like it was when we were in school when it's like, please have a sharpened number two pencil. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking number two pencils, <laughs> because those were actually reading the letter something in the pencil. So, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I never learned how those work. I always assumed that it had something to do like. Because graphite is electrically conductive, and that was the only thing that I could think of that they would need it to be pencil and not ink. Right. Yeah, probably. But that's why you needed your sharpened number two pencil for your Scantron. And um, by, by the way, speaking of graphite being electrically conductive, did you ever do the experiment where you would use a heavy pencil and draw a circuit on a page and then press a battery to one end and get a voltage at the other end? No, but does that work? Yeah, I mean, the the resistance is fucking ridiculous, so you can't use very large circuits, and you have to use really heavy pencil lines. No, resistance is futile. But 
I, we, I mean, I tried it. I even stuck my tongue on it. I'm like, this doesn't feel like nine volts because it was probably dropping to three by the time it got across the paper. Yeah. Uh, a young Memrose. I can only understand that was the, the, the science, uh, the lust for science in your mind while you were putting your tongue to the pencil. Because it's it's a really effective way to detect voltage. I suppose it is. I, you know, it's not something you want to detect kilovolts with, but I, I can't you, disagree you know, with I, that. Don't tell me you never put your tongue on a nine volt battery. Oh, yeah, that. And man, it tastes like, you, tastes like quarter. I, I mean, nobody today even knows what a nine volt battery is. Is there any consumer product anywhere that takes one of those anymore? Yeah. But, Smoke detectors. It, oh, yeah. And you know what? But I that's saw how you always tell. But both contacts were in the same place. So you knew it was a dead battery. You just touch your tongue to both. And if it tingled. Oh, I mean, nine volts. If it was a full nine volts, then it actually hurt a little bit. But you just got used to it. Somebody is a part of life in the troll room because the other day for, for no apparent reason, our smoke detectors, which are our whole house, there's four or five of them in the house, will beep like five or six times. It was like seven o'clock at night for no apparent reason. And of course, uh, the troll room, somebody pointed me. Somebody was like, well, nine volt, the uh, smoke detectors all the way. The whole house ones suck. And then somebody posted a link to a specific nine volt battery that they sell for smoke detectors that you could hook up to your Wi-Fi that if they go off, they will send you an alert, which is actually genius. Please, please tell me there there's an app for this. I want to, I want to know that you did. Did you do research on this? I want, I didn't actually pull the app up, but it exists. I mean, a a Wi-Fi enabled battery is totally something that I need talked about on this show. I think so. But I mean, it actually has a use because it's one use is for smoke detectors, which means when they go off, the battery senses the voltage change and will let you know that the smoke alarm is going off. So if you're not at home, that could be looks like the brand is is Roost. That sounds right. ST. Yeah. Uh, Smart nine volt batteries. They connect to they yeah yes it has an app connect to the roost app to get alerts when you are away um i come on if you're away be a hater. What, what, <laughs> okay well, okay what tell me why why do you put a battery in your smoke alarm to alert you if you're in the house so you can get out okay so how is this useful to you if you're not fucking there I guess you could call the fire department and hope they can get to your house if it is actually burning down. Although I don't know but, what your but local. How do you, okay, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically. I, I have heard of Wi-Fi enabled smoke detectors, and actually, uh, when I was at the fraternity house, um, you know, I, I got to do all the wiring for it, and we had to be super fucking careful because uh, we, as as uh, communal housing on campus, we had to, uh, and this was something that was new to me at the time. Um, we had to have a dedicated phone line. You know, we, we had, uh, four phone lines come into the house it, you know, because nobody had cell phones. Nowadays, you wouldn't even have a landline, but we had landlines coming into the house. We had four of them so that four different people could talk at the same time. And then we hooked up multi-line phones all over the house there, uh, you know, so that people could go. We, you know, have little closets that were converted into phone booths and I wired the outlets. It was actually a lot of fun. But what we ended up having to do was pay for five phone lines because one of them had to be dedicated to the fire alarm and nothing else could be on it because all of our smoke detectors in the entire house were designed so that if the smoke detector detected a fire and these were all hardwired, there were wires running through the attic to the smoke alarm panel in the which was in the same room as the patch Ethernet patch panel. 
And if it detected it, then the circuit would initiate a phone call to the fire department without anybody having to do anything. It was one of the coolest things ever. And also, when I was wiring those phones, I may or may not have accidentally crossed the wrong set of wires, caused the smoke alarm, the fire alarm system to feel like it needed to send a call. (laughs) And while I'm sitting there wiring Ethernet to the house, the fucking fire department pulls up because nobody (laughs) knew the call had been placed. That may have happened. Nice. But what I'm saying is there exist smoke alarms that automatically call the fire department. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about here. No. This is, it sounds like a Wi-Fi enabled nine volt battery in a regular smoke alarm. Yes. So the only thing that it can tell you, and and, and I, I didn't click on their website because I'm not going to sit here reading on the show. That sounds crazy. Why would, why would anybody do research? You've done it before. <laughs> I, yeah, but sometimes you catch me <laughs> and I, but, but I'm, I'm just going to react to the phrase Wi-Fi enabled nine volt battery. So you presumably put this into a normal smoke alarm. Okay. If that's the case, what signal can it detect? It can only detect my, uh, my battery is getting low. Okay. So you can use an app. And of course they say, and I, you know, glancing at the front page of the website, they say you can use the app to get alerts when you're away, but what's the alert? My battery is low. Okay. Well, there's two things about that. First of all, if there's a fire, when your battery is low, what's a regular smoke alarm going to do? It's going to make a God awful noise. Well, it's not that, about the battery being low. It's about having a draw on the battery, which however much voltage it pulls when the, that piercing sound is going off, it detects that. And I'm sure is that something is that something I want to know when I'm on a business conference? I think so. That your house is burning down. I mean, maybe depending on what I'm saying, if the house is burning (laughs) down, then then a a dead battery. Okay, the the difference between a dead and a live battery, if your house is burning down and you're away, is that a live battery will cause an ear piercing scream in your house where nobody is and nobody can hear it. Well, a dead will also, battery will not cause that sound to happen. Yeah, but see, the live battery is also sending you the alert that the alarm's going off. How does the live battery know if you put it into a regular smoke alarm? Because it's the voltage of when the smoke alarm goes off is enough of a draw on the battery that there's a monitor, I'm guessing, in that battery that can tell that the voltage is going out because the alarm's on rather than just sitting there. So it detects the battery okay. smart enough works, to detect. When the alarm works, off. that's kind of cool. And maybe, maybe this idea isn't quite as ridiculous, but it's still, it's still got a fucking app. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that's honestly, it's the, the only way. And it can honestly, tell you. if my house is burning down and my, my system is smart enough to be able to tell, I don't want it calling me. I want it calling the fucking fire department. I'm not going to fly <laughs> home from Florida and be, start peeing on the fire. I want somebody who can do something about it. That may be an option. They I can call done, me. I haven't done that research, but there may be an option. I know Uma. The phone service we use, which is, you know, all voice over IP been using that for like five, 10, whatever years, 12 years, something like that. I know they have a bunch of different sensors now, so they may have similar things, which, yeah, it makes more sense to place that call to 911 and be like, uh, we believe a fire is taking place here. And uh, yeah, that would be good. But I mean, you know, the-, the other the other thing I just thought of that that could work with a conventional fire alarm is, of course, if you've got your your listening CIA device, right? We've done stories where uh, Alexa or, or Google Penile or whatever the, the thing's called can listen, and they're like, "That sounds like a fire alarm," and then call nine one one for you. And okay, I can see how that would be beneficial. 
Yeah, I have to go look and see if that if the devices picked that up when the alarm went off. And I mean, it was weird. It just like you said, it rang for like maybe 15 seconds, like five or six beeps. And normally this, the units we have, because we had to replace the old ones were bad. And once they get old enough that uh, we had the 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 false positive at like three in the morning and there's nothing more fun than the smoke alarms going off at three in the morning. But it turns out, you know, if a bug crawls into them, that can do it. If there's enough, you know, steam or something in the area, which I'm just guessing a bug or something like that, because I went through and then just kind of like vacuumed through the little holes, although all these things look clean. But the devices we have, you program them with what room they're in. There's, you know, they have a long list of like 20 different names and it didn't say, oh, basement, there's smoke or whatever. It didn't say hallway, there's smoke. It just beeped. So it seemed definitely like a false alarm but still uh you know again concerning if it happens in the middle of the night i was glad it only happened at like seven o'clock i'd like to see some stats as to uh, uh, how many how often does having an app for your smoke alarm battery save people from situations where not having an app wouldn't i'd like to see some stats like has that ever happened i'm sure it's happened to somebody are you? I think if they bought that I mean, in their house. You know. I mean, this this thing has probably only ever been installed in, in a, a few thousand homes. And I, do you think that's ever happened? Uh, probably. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we have systems. We even before the Internet, we had systems for determining whether or not your house was burning down. One of those, for example, is that if you have a battery that is dying, they usually start with the god awful beep. You know. The batteries last six months or or you're supposed to replace them in six months. They last longer than that. But supposing you don't, then you've got six to 12 months that during this time, if if the battery gets low, it will beep for a fucking month before it fully dies. Yeah. And and if you are at your house at any point during that time, you're going to hear the beeping and then you're going to if you're responsible, you're going to replace the battery. I, I I. this is one of those many cases where I'm not really feeling like it needs to be an app. No, but it's again, it's to alert you not that the battery is going low. It's only to alert you if the alarm is going off. There are alarms. Uh, there are smoke detectors. Now you can buy with the battery built in that last allegedly 10 years, which is going to just make uh, people even more complacent with the whole. Uh, well, there there are also smoke alarms that you can get that you wire into your home electrical and it works as long as the electricity's on yeah Which, that's by the have. way not entirely awesome during a natural disaster but what no. do you do no well that's <laughs> what we have but they also have the battery backups in them but it's all a uh, it's all a big kludge there's no question about it there's always something that can go wrong from false positives to you know all sorts of fun stuff especially now that their combo units which you know i thought about it but so far it's been okay but their combo units with the co2 sensors and the smoke detectors in the same units and uh i don't know technology sucks man so i had had two more things that i just wanted to react to on the roost website uh one is uh they have apparently improved their setup because it quote silently connects to home wi-fi in minutes just Uh, mere minutes huh yeah i um I mean, first of all, don't you have to? Uh, I, I most people have encrypted Wi-Fi. 
Um, I, I guess you would use the app to tell it about your Wi-Fi, but if yes. so, but the only way that you can connect with an app, if you're not connected to Wi-Fi is if it also has Bluetooth and it seems ridiculous to put two radios into a $35 nine volt battery. No, what it's got is its own Wi-Fi hotspot that you'll connect to. I'm, I'm oh almost guarantee that's what it is that you connect that's, to that. And then okay. you, then you do that so through the, the app. The, the, and, and I'm sure this thing probably runs a, a you know, some kind of processor like Arduino based has anybody done any security analysis on this thing? No, but it's a good idea. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, I mean, I just expect in six months to be doing a, a story about how these roost smart batteries have been hacked and people can turn on remotely, turn on your smoke alarm in the middle of the night or something. Now that is a fun hack. Once it's connected to your Wi-Fi, especially there, is that yes, then you could probably hack the system and say engage and turn okay. the turn them on. And here's the here's the other thing. I told you I wasn't going to do research on the show, but I'm reading their website and I don't even have to scroll down before I see shit to ridicule. Um last for three to five years is one of their selling points. Um most people don't keep a phone for three to five years. So in three to five years, when it decides to tell you via the app that the battery needs to be replaced you probably don't have that app installed we just have to set it up again i mean nobody yeah what you have to do is is you remember that oh yeah four years ago i installed special batteries in in my smoke alarms you know how many people think about their smoke alarms that often you know how this works i just had to do this with my dad's uh the iphone dying which is you plug it in the thing backs up all the apps that you have, and then you plug the new phone in, and it puts all the apps right back on there. That's oh, how you never lose that's, apps. That's awful. I know. No, I thought getting a new phone was the only way that people ever get rid of apps. No, no, they, you they, don't need apps. They take them with. That's what they. Oh do. my god! No, that's terrible. That that just like your apps are just collecting like cruft, like the stuff in the back of your dryer lint. No, yeah, why would you want to keep all your apps? It's okay, what, whatever. It's what happens, which is <laughs> yeah. why you need a secondary network for all these Internet of Things devices. Um, yeah, or, I did or get. Just a, I'm just going to tease a, a sixty buck uh, twenty five nine volt battery from the hardware store, but that wouldn't let you know when your house is burning down. So I mean, it there's does a, because because smoke alarms have had a feature for a very long time the where house. they make an ear splitting whine when you're not in the house is what this is for if okay again if i'm not in the house i don't want it calling me i want it calling the fucking fire department i well, want to call may. someone who can do something i mean it may be able to do that do that research but uh, also also here's a a free bit of advice from grumpy old ben's how about if you're not in your house don't use the fucking app on your phone to turn on your oven to t- set your cutting board on fire that you put in there to dry. And then maybe your house has a lower chance of burning down because you're not turning on smart appliances all the fucking time while you're away from your house. It is much easier to burn down your house when you're away from your house now. Yes, Technology. it's actually kind of difficult to burn down your house when you're not there. If you don't have random shit that can cause fires that you can turn on by an app. I could just see you taking a gallon of gasoline, putting it in your oven, like, watch this. Now, if I turn this on remotely, you see what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I leave my house in the winter with a live fire burning in the house, uh-huh. but it's inside of the wood stove. And for some reason, I haven't managed to burn my house down yet. Is the wood stove connected to an app by any chance? There are. My wood stove does not have my Wi-Fi password. 
Okay, well, that's probably a good idea. Um, I did want to tease the Winston device. I played around with that. I got one because I oh, asked. Yes. I said, you know, hey, I'm from a podcast that talks about tech and I'm interested in this concept. Could you send me one to uh, test out for a while? And they uh, they did. They were nice enough to send me one of the units and a year's subscription. This, this is just because I gave you shit about getting free devices from companies. Kind last of. Time, right. And I yeah, wanted okay. to try this out because I was interested. I mean, we know we talk about VPNs a lot. This is in a similar vein. And uh, there's a bunch of different ways to hook it up. This isn't the full review, but I decided just to try this out just on my computer rather than the whole network, just to see how it worked at first. And you can put this in line anywhere, which to me makes the most sense if you have a secondary router. And, and for, for the people who didn't listen to the show a couple of weeks ago, can you remind us what the Winston device is supposed to do? It is a little device that all the traffic from your network goes into, and then it does things like block ads. So it's it's one kind of like a pie hole Two, it's kind of like a VPN. Well, it's like a combination of a pie hole VPN and a secure kind of, uh, you know, for all of the traffic, you don't want to access your system. All of that. It kind of firewall. Yes. Firewall puts all these things together in a hardware device, which is why I was kind of curious how it worked. And I only wanted to try it on one device first. It's going to take some some testing because I didn't want things like, you know, like the live stream to get screwed with. And, and, And any network guy will tell you that a firewall that is a separate device is going to be better off than one that is uh, just software on your computer, like the Windows firewall. And no Darth Raider. I don't take samples at Costco. It's one of the reasons I stopped going to Costco. Got so tired of the grazers. I can't stand <laughs> grazing day at Costco. Um, uh, I, I stopped going to Costco because they wanted me to wear a face diaper and didn't believe me when I said I had asthma. Wow. They think you're a liar. I would, I would give me my money back. But uh, this little device, it's a little hardware device. It's quite small. And you basically have a, uh, you know, it just goes in line. You take your category five, six, whatever you're using cable, plug it in one side. The other side goes into wherever you're getting your Internet from. And the thing that most impressed me was the control panel is quite intuitive. I mean, it does can, it have an app? There probably is, but I didn't need uh, anything for my phone to set this up. There okay. is um, extensions for browsers if you want to disable things so i mean that's the one interesting thing you can do this on a browser level so if you want to temporarily shut it off like hey you're trying to get into your bank and it's not working well rather than turning the whole device off for everything in your home your browser can just disable itself from it and that would be a nice quick way to do that so i I like you meant it it had an extension that would disable chrome and i'm like that's an instant extension i might (laughs) you're like i'll buy one of these things yeah Uh, but it shows you Every domain, you know, everything it's trying to do and whether it's sending it over the, the open Internet, whether it's sending it through their mesh system, which was the thing I was most interested in was the mesh system. And that seems to actually work very well. At one point, I think I was connected to like 20 or 30 other devices around the United States. And the way they get around this just being total bandwidth hoggish is The minute you go to a site like Twitter, and I know you would say, don't go to Twitter uh, or YouTube, once you start doing something like watching a video, you know, streaming like that, it automatically bypasses their mesh network. It pretty much only uses it for when you're surfing the web. So for privacy, 
it's a really cool thing. And it seems like it's, I don't notice any slowdowns. And when you keep doing like an IP, you know, address check that was changing with regularity and it's splitting things up even throughout multiple IPs at the same time. So uh, we're going to give this thing a full breakdown. But overall, I'm impressed with what it's doing. And I noticed the one thing I, I have to go check because I have the uh, CC cleaner installed on the machine, but it's not set to automatically launch or anything. I noticed uh, something was pinging the CC cleaner homepage. And uh, if that's running something in the background, even without starting up, uh, I'll be uh, be uninstalling that. But it'll be an interesting way, I think, to really monitor what's going on on your system. And at least from the first day of just messing around with it, I have some high hopes for this little device. I mean, it's 10 bucks a month, but for people that have a bunch of devices on a network, it may be well worth it. It sounds really cool. And, and I, I do look forward to, to finding out how, how it works for you. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the CC cleaner ping back. Um, and I, I just want to give a, a quick reminder to anybody out there that's running a pie hole. And by the way, if you're not running a pie hole, you probably should because it's, it's worthwhile. Um, is pay attention to your pie hole and just look at uh, what software you have installed that is pinging the internet. It will almost always surprise you just <laughs> how many programs and apps and things you have that are phoning home for no reason whatsoever, or at the very least, you know, just pinging home every 10 minutes to check for updates, which I guess some apps update that often, uh, like fucking Firefox. Yeah, you um, mean to horrify people more than anything else. Yeah, well, it, it should. Um, I, I don't even know how many I, you know, I go into my pie hole. Uh, I it don't take that out of context um, at least once a week. And I'll go in and look and I'm like, oh, looks like, you know, this software is pinging this domain now block um, works pretty well. And I've only broken a few pieces of software like that. Yeah, my top blocked domains are uh, the first one is g.msn.com with uh, forty eight hundred and sixty four hits. Then yeah. web.vortex.data.microsoft.com. Okay, data.microsoft, duh. That's Windows. Yeah, so that's uh, it's blocking that. Do you, do you know what's pinging those other ones? Uh, the GMSN? I'm not sure. Microsoft Network? Uh, I don't know exactly what is. Uh, yeah, but M- MSN is, is their web portal. Uh, I mean, it's it's their their site where they, they they want to be, they desperately want to be Yahoo, who would love to be Google. Yeah, I'm not sure what's trying to pull that up. Then it really drops after those two to uh, Google Analytics and then device metrics at Amazon. Yeah, Google Analytics is just browsing the web. Everything wants to do that one. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is the uh, the reality. And then, and then your your yeah, and then your talking tube is is constantly phoning home. Yes, or at least trying to. And yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. and that's when it's like no, and then there it is. And if depending how you have it set up, I have most of it. Uh, just routed it's either my router i can see stats for and my one computer because i send the computer dns you know and everything directly to that rather than to the to the router first but otherwise everything's going to the router so i don't know what clients but that's something allegedly to the winston is good at kind of separating what different devices are doing so it's definitely yeah. well worth having for any dudes named ben or dudettes named uh so- bernadette and and again, the the last question I'm going to pose is not so much from a dude named Ben perspective, but from a programmer perspective, does it have the ability to modify the code? Which code? 
the whatever the the firmware or the software running on the device uh its behavior i i'm sure it has some configuration but but can if, if i need to can i flash a new firmware or or push in some kind of mod to the code is that do you know if that's an option haven't gotten that far yet i would doubt it because is, they're is selling it open source they're no it's it's part open source part closed source from what i understand okay. I mean, you wouldn't want to fuck with their business model, but at the same time, there is uh, an inherent distrust that everybody should have for something that controls so much of of your functioning online and that you can't look at what it's doing. Well, you can monitor what's going in and going out, but yes, you can't necessarily see the code. But the guy, the one thing I liked, the reason that it went from, because I believe the first time I saw this mentioned was that a Facebook ad, which most ads on Facebook are like scam. I mean, it's like, here's the 14 terabyte hard drive for three dollars. It's not just the ads on Facebook. Yeah, that's true. It's the homepage. But it was on uh, it was on Reddit or another site that I found that was talking about this device where the founder of the company started responding and the people who were like, really like, ah, this is like you would be like, I'm not using that. That's ridiculous. And they're like, Okay, that makes sense. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this to to kind of go in and check it out. And uh, I mean, because I'm noticing different sites now that are like, well, no, you can't access the site because you're on a VPN. So they're, (laughs) you know, they're tracking, you know, through NordVPN, which is what I'm using normally. They're tracking if it's a VPN. I was trying to uh, uh, set up a, uh, you know, an Instagram account the other day. I mean, Larry from that Larry show's got one for his show. I'm like, well, maybe, you know, ever we should be on more platforms with grumpy old Ben's. We need to start doing a little bit more. And I'm trying to sign up for a, an account and it gets to the final aspect of signing up for the account. And it's like the IP address you're on appears to be used for blah, blah. And it's like, really? The final? I mean, yeah. I mean, how, I, how did you block that earlier? You make me fill out a bunch of data first. You know, right. Yes. At the final step was, yeah, we, it looks like the IP address you're on. You can't, you cannot register an account on Instagram because it looks like one that's used by, you know, scammers or whatever. It's like, oh, you mean honest people using VPNs and scammers, but I mean, sure. Uh, Honest people downloading uh, copyrighted material. Not that you would do that. You know, that is the intriguing thing because that, that was the one thing I was curious with the Winston too was like, well, If somebody's downloading illegal material, but again, if you're downloading video, audio, stuff like that, it doesn't use their mesh network. The mesh network is only to access the web pages. And from what I can tell, the nice thing now is when because I went to try to sign up for a another Proton Mail account as well, which the Proton Mail account, if you are going through NordVPN, you have to get a you have to give it a phone number to get a text or you have to give it a secondary email. Or you have to donate in order to verify the account. I noticed that when running through the Winston, when I tried it, another option came up, which was, oh, a captcha, which I mean, I hate captchas, but if it's a question of a captcha or an SMS or an email to another account, I'll go captcha. Uh, I, 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 you know, I would do that with most captchas. I, I actually have reached the point where I will refuse to fill out a recaptcha. Yeah. And then if it's a Google one. So at least the interesting thing here is when it's kind of using the VPN type thing to hide your identity, to hide your IP address, the IP addresses you're using are from normal residential users. So it doesn't get blocked. 
So that is a plus. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to look into for this. But. I, I also imagine that this becomes a whole lot more useful if and I, I, I feel like the and I'm, I'm not going to slam on their business model, but I feel like the ten dollars a month is going to be an impediment to success for the simple reason that there there are two failure modes here. One is the failure mode that lots of Silicon Valley companies get into, which is that they either get too greedy or too, too woke. Um, but the other is this device inherently relies on the network effect. And if yes, only, and they admit that if only 50 people in the world ever get one, then it's not really going to be all that useful and definitely not going to be worth $10 a month. But if they can get, you know, uh, 30, 40,000 people to use it, then first of all, you know, at $10 a month, they're doing all right. Uh, but it also that suddenly makes it more useful because if there's a pool, of 50,000 IPs that you can be in the ebb exit points, then that serves the VPN purpose and also makes it a lot less feasible for all of these online sites to say, Oh, you're using a VPN. Just fuck you. Right. Uh, and, 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 and that's all, always the curse of the VPN is, is the webmasters who look at this and say, well, we don't want your kind around here. So yes, right. if, if they can, it would be interesting to see. And I, I look forward to hearing about this more. Yes. Uh, to answer net net in the troll oh. room, it does act as a bit of a mesh network. And the interesting thing too, with the web traffic is you can, you can turn that off. I mean, if you don't want it to go through the mesh system, you can set only for high risk sites that I mean, say Facebook, for instance, where you don't want it yeah. tracking you the verge and you can write and you can whitelist any site you want so if you're like hey i totally trust my bank put their ip address in. so granted there's some setup in that but you can have the sites that you totally trust not go through the mesh network and only be like hey if i'm surfing yeah you're right the verge facebook twitter then just keep rotating my ip addresses around the world yeah and and, and like i said this this sounds the, the idea is totally sound uh, the question is, can they get the network effect to make it useful? Because if you're only connecting to 20 or 30 people, then then, yeah, it's no problem for a, a Google or someone to circulate blacklists of here's the 20 or 30 IPs that no website should ever visit. Right. And right. then they program that into the recapture and then it'll say, well, if you're coming from this IP, you're a bot. Fuck you. And 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 that's a failure mode because the you know, the device isn't worth what they're charging in that case. But like I said, if if they can get hundred thousand people to install this thing. You, no webmaster wants to cut off that many. Right. And I think they have a shot because this seems like a decent product and it works the way they say it, at least from what I've the first few hours of testing this thing out, it appears to work exactly the way they say that it does. And overall an impressive kind of a system because it does give you a lot of different things in one package. Like you said, there's a lot of people, everybody listening to grumpy old Ben's, should have a pie hole. Now to do that, you actually have to either go buy a Raspberry Pi, which is fairly cheap, and there's still a setup curve to it and getting that onto your system. This is the Raspberry Pi, plus it's a mesh network, plus it's other stuff. So I can see where the one-stop shop would be nice for most people. And then there's support. So if you're having trouble getting it set up, there's somebody there to help you, especially because you're paying them 10 bucks a month. So they're there to help. So this may be good for the average person. Now, is this for the really high end dude named Ben that knows how to program all of this stuff on themselves? Well, sure. If you're lazy, but otherwise 
uh, most dude named Ben's probably will be like, I could do this better myself with this, this, and this. And that's probably true. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but any, you know, any, <laughs> any installation or, or setup that, that starts with, uh, okay, you know, get this Docker container and okay, you know, now 90% of the general population has tuned out. <laughs> yes, this, that's like, who this is for. Yes. They're like, I want an appliance. Yes. And the fact that this, because at first I'm like, oh, it has to go between the modem and the router. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because, I mean, I get how this stuff works. And then it's like once you once I got it and it's like, no, no, it just has to have Internet access come in this port and whatever you want connected to it into the other one. So if you're setting up a separate network, which we've yeah. recommended in the past for all of your like Internet of Things devices and all of your phones and tablets, you can have all of that run through this device. But, hey, you know what you're doing on your desktops? Well, you could bypass it entirely. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds like they, they're definitely going for the appliance setup, which I kind of applaud because, uh, the, the, the problem of computer security is, is only partly solved if you make your personal network impenetrable. Uh, the other thing, and this, this is the, the one that is used by companies like Microsoft as a justification for forcing security updates on people is that the general internet, the, the more people who are, infected with malware on the general internet the less your security is right so pushing any kind of security feature especially if it doesn't come through windows update out to the general public is good and uh you know of course we've cable companies have long since trained even the general public that okay this is a router it's an appliance you plug a cord in here you plug a cord in here you push the button on the front you're good and it might take a web page configuration or something and and if this is that level then people can figure it out and I, I applaud the effort, no matter whether the the attempt succeeds or not. And there is there is a community there, too, because there was a part where you could choose third party filtering that people had set up. And I noticed like one of the, I haven't tested any of that out yet, but I noticed one of the filters was something like, uh, you know, uh, screw Facebook. So I think it blocks everything going to any Facebook domain. So, I mean, there's this would make it, I think, easy for the average person to be able to go in and be like, oh. You want to block everything to Facebook. There's it's a one click thing. And that's for most people. I applaud that as well. But I mean, I know you brought a clip to today's show because you wanted to explain to everybody. Listening. I, well, I feel like, you know, we've we've got a lot of new fans coming over from Joe Rogan. I mean, no, uh, actually, I don't know where <laughs> oh, the hell they're coming are, from. Are you going to be on Rogan? I mean, I know he's been talking. <laughs> to you. <laughs> that depends. I. Uh, I, I actually have a story that uh, and I didn't really decide to bring it to the show because it's almost pure speculation, but Spotify is making a lot of rumblings about how their free podcast system isn't working very much. And, and the story was an analysis about how shows like Rogan are probably going to end up going behind a paywall pretty soon because Spotify is not making enough money on ads. Ooh, and well, but, we knew that with the Michelle Obama one. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the writing was on the wall and there is no better time in the entire world for for the podcast 2.0 project. So pretty happy about that going on. If you want more of that, um, the Adam Curry and Dave Jones do a podcast 2.0 podcast, which is uh, there, there's a lot of nitty gritty podcasting details that you won't get a lot of other places. Yeah, and there um, is a whole but, segment we can do on that because there's some very interesting stuff going on with podcasting oh, 2.0. Yeah, I, I'm I'm waiting They They've got their, uh, their new monetization plan coming out, which is fascinating. And I didn't dig in far enough. So I wasn't, you know, wasn't ready to, to try to talk about that, but 
Um, I definitely want to do something on that in the future because it's it's amazing what you know, the ideas that they're doing are are audacious to say the least. Well, we have a story uh, on it, and I did and I did listen to Adam and Dave talking about exactly what this is going to do, and I'm torn on whether I think this is going to be successful with the average podcast listener. And I don't know. I may be totally wrong. The concept is genius because what it's doing is it's taking the podcast players. And I mean, the beauty of this is the podcast, the people who create, you know, podcast addict or pod friend or all these apps, they always get screwed because normally they have free products or there's an ad or, you know, maybe because because all the money flows through the podcast, the, the creators, via advertising the hosting company by hosting fees and advertising right. uh you know the the networks by usually advertising yeah, but all of the money is flowing through and just skipping over the one part which is the players and it it is smart to look at that and say yeah people who are writing players are not getting cut into this so let's get them give them a chance to get cut in and they can you know now now I mean, it's it's massive incentive for players to implement their new idea, which I guarantee if the players implement the idea, the idea has legs. Yes. And that's exactly it, because the concept here is to be able to share money. So it's a value for value kind of thing would expect nothing less from the podfather, Adam Curry. And it kind of makes your podcast players into crypto wallets and this is yeah. where it's it's attempt number 500 uh, you know 576,000 to implement online micropayments but with what what they're using now is the lightning bitcoin system correct which actually looks like it might finally have a shot because it has to be something with very low fees because you're talking micro transactions yeah, because, here because you're they they were talking about you know here's a button i want to throw 50 cents to this podcast because i really like this particular segment and 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 that is the kind of that that's the dream that i i heard people talking about wanting to do that in the internet in 1995 when people are like well what if you can just throw a dollar at somebody and the the answer has always been well every method that we've ever had for online payments takes a cut and a dollar is so low that Patreon, for example, will keep what I, 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 number, like 60 I don't know what the number is. Like 60 yeah. cents. Yeah. Uh, you know, MasterCard will charge it $3 to send somebody a, a dollar. Uh, you know, it, it, the the payment systems are not set up for micropayment. You know, sending somebody $300. Yeah. I have lots of ways to do that. And and it, it seems to work. But sending somebody 60 cents is just not feasible because of the middlemen. And you know, maybe the the uh, the Bitcoin Lightning system looks like it might be able to do that if you can keep the middlemen out, like Coinbase and I. I don't know who else changes Bitcoins these days. Yeah, well, this is again, it's the the Lightning version, which are worth a little bit less than uh, Bitcoin. The interesting thing that I'm not sold on yet is the fact that it sounds like the way this is going to work off the bat, and I, I'm hopefully it'll get to the point too. Where you could just be like, okay, send these guys 10 bucks a month. Cause that I think is what most people want. The, yeah. the concept here was, okay, you drop however much you want into your wallet. So, okay, I'm going to drop 10 bucks at the beginning of every month into my podcast app wallet. And then I set all of my podcasts up and I'm guessing you could do this 
for a different amount for every show, but it's by a per minute thing like, oh, I want to give grumpy old Ben, you know, five cents a minute or I want to give well, what, a penny a minute. What what Adam and Dave are trying to do here is they are not setting the model. They're not telling people it should be monthly or it should be per. But what they're trying to do is set up the infrastructure so that the apps can decide how the payments end up getting sent uh, w- with the idea that um, if you know whatever model becomes the successful one that's what people will will do but you, you know it's it's the central planning versus distributed distributed is always more efficient so what you do is you set it up so that people writing podcast players can hook into this and one player will be like yep you just set how much money you want to spend per month and another one will be like you push the button every time you want to send a dollar to these guys or you know whatever and and whichever app ends up getting the most business, that's the model that seems to work really well. Right. And it's interesting. The per minute thing, the minute the per minute thing goes in, like everybody's now doing five hour podcasts daily. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I actually really like the idea of, of on the player having just a big button that says donate. And you punch that every time that the podcasters made you laugh or blew your mind or made you think really well. And that way, you know, we could talk for five hours and my God, it seems like we do sometimes, but if we didn't have any content, people aren't going to push that button very often. And if we do a half hour show and it's just jam packed content wall to wall, people are going to be slamming the button over and over again. And you know, which type of, I mean, it's, it's again, the Holy grail of podcasting. People want to know what content people like. It's, it's the whole reason why ad analytics exists. Is right now the way podcasting works is you put out an entire show and people like it or people don't. And if you're in the advertising model, it's even more difficult because you don't have any idea. If you're in the value for value model, at least you've got a pretty, you've got a better idea of, okay, this show seemed to be more popular. uh, And then you've got downloads. But if, if your app actually provides you analytics of somebody was willing to put up real money, right? Because of what you just said in this minute of the podcast, then it opens up so many possibilities to pander to your audience and decide to change who you are based on what gets you the most money. Uh, The, the, the new era of podcast chills will be upon us. (laughs) Wait, Adam was talking about the dopamine hit, even though he knows this is just testing that you know the things coming in like oh your account <laughs> yeah. increasing in value there's he was getting the facebook like effect from testers i loved it <laughs> yes and it's even better because it's actual money coming in rather than likes and we can't spend likes folks you can only spend cold hard cash hey, and this is I said 100 facebook likes and six dollars and 50 cents will get me a cup of coffee in seattle yeah barely but the beauty <laughs> of this seems to be this may be the answer for shows being deplatform proof because as long as the money can be trading hands and all of this stuff is open source and there's really nothing that can be done that says oh we don't like these grumpy old bens or these no agenda guys where we we're not going to let them get money the players don't even have to be open source i mean i would prefer an open source player for me but as long as it's an open protocol right the the system the choice You have the choice to go out and use a closed source player if you choose, use an open source player if you choose, or write your own players you choose. As long as that choice is there, then you can throw out a a closed source player. And if it's the best player on the market, then as long as there are other players for people whose requirements are different, it's not a big deal. 
And this stuff's amazing. If you're not following along, go to podcastindex.org and get all of the information because this is stuff that has only been going on for a couple of months as far as this project after it's been set into uh set into motion and already you have stuff like this where it's like, "Oh, we figured out a way for actual money to exchange hands. We figured out a way to get transcripts baked into the RSS feeds." We you know, and, and there are I mean even no agenda now is is they are po- posting a transcript alongside the show for a lot of the shows. Uh, Adam is putting in chapters, which is something that that a lot of people have, have tried to implement. But now there's a, a standard uh, in non siloed way of just adding chapters to any podcast ever, which, by the way, Grumpy Old Ben's still not being published without chapters, which is why CSB will never listen. <laughs> he listens. I helped him test his microphone the other day, but the ability to do chapters via the community is another thing they're working on at the podcast index because i you know for us we're doing shows they're two hours two and a half three hours long whatever it is to go back and try to break those up into chapters does add a lot to the workflow it would be a lot easier if the producers who are listening to the show could if they want the chapters that they could just help each other and make the chapters but that's the one thing they haven't figured out yet is Okay, how does somebody do chapters in Podcast Addict or Podfriend, and then that shows up for everybody? That has not been figured and, and, out yet. And that's the yeah that that's the model that Adam's been pushing for ever since this started because you know he is he is one hundred percent in favor of trying out every new thing, and in fact, he wants to try out every new thing on his own podcast, which makes him a tremendous guinea pig. And I I thank oh, him for his courage. Yes, I love. When he was talking about this and he's like, yeah, I'm just hacking along. He's like, sometimes people, you know, the, the show disappears. Sometimes they're getting four copies of every show in their feed. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think if people if people don't realize that Adam every once in a while messes up his RSS feed because he's doing it all by hand. I mean, it happens. Uh, but the the thing that Adam always pushes and and I appreciate this, but I also appreciate that Adam is in a position where he has enough producers of his shows that it's feasible is he doesn't want to do the work to put up all of these new data formats and the transcripts and the chapters and everything. He wants to be able to crowdsource it. And so he is extremely happy when somebody comes up with an app or a system that allows him to drop the play, the, the MP3 out there. And then throngs of no agenda producers will come in and build the transcripts and the chapters and, and uh, everything for him. And and that's his ideal working scenario, just kind of like throngs of it. No agenda producers build the art for him. And unfortunately, that doesn't work for any podcast that isn't no agenda or one of of about four dozen really big shows out there. So are you saying Uh, that the producers of no agenda take what Adam puts out and then they build it back better? That is exactly what they do. But anyways, we didn't come here to talk about the podcast index stuff at all. We did. You you had introduced a segment on the dude named Ben. Why you you wanted? You, I brought a clip because we have more people listening to this podcast than we did at show forty one. I want to say was the last time we explained where the word the name Grumpy Old Ben's came from, and even before that, the the only time we ever really explained it, I think, was in show one or two. Right. Um, and that, we really were at show one hundred and nine. This is the first clip you've brought. So you're, you're getting is. better. And 
Well, at least I don't have a soundboard up yet. You put the kibosh on that this morning. Well, when it was when it's like you're leaking back the audio. I mean, audio is hard. I mean, you know this. Yeah, you know, this. it is. It is. And and I really, you know, we should probably do just video only and pantomime all of our show. But oh, that but would be we've cool. already got our format set. But anyways, um, people ask, why do you call it grumpy old Ben's, which is kind of an in joke for the no agenda community. And if you are not in the no agenda community, you might be confused. It's like uh, Darren and Ryan, neither one of them is named Ben. Why are you called that? And the reason is that uh, it is a uh, kind of a, a meme amongst the no agenda community that an IT worker is a dude named Ben. And the origin of this came from uh, in the 2014 IRS scandal. If, if you recall this, uh, the IRS was, well, they were being a big government bureaucracy and somebody in Congress didn't like it. And, and there were hearings. And um, uh, Jennifer O'Connor had been the commissioner of the IRS and the, the one on the stage being grilled in Congress at a hearing. And the person who was grilling her was Jason Chaffetz, uh, who was from Utah. Um, he was asking her, uh, who did she interact with in her daily job? You know, because uh, what, what she had done was in, in, in classic bureaucrat form, she chose not to take credit or not to take responsibility for something her organization did and instead put all the blame on people she worked with. So he was asking, who did you work with? Right. And it, it, the the problem was, and I don't remember the specifics of the problem, but it had something to do with it was uh, the IRS. Yeah, it was technical. <laughs> and so he had asked, who did you work with in IT? And the answer was? What, anybody in the IT arena? Um, I didn't actually interact directly with people in the IT arena. Uh, there was somebody whose name was, I can't even remember his last name. I think his first name may have been Ben. So a guy named Ben, a dude named Ben, who, who else? So yeah, a dude named Ben. And, and so that's the origin of the name of our show. Yeah, that's because uh, no agenda. Then anytime that they were referring to people with technical skills from then on out, they were dude names, dudes named Ben and then dudettes named Bernadette because you didn't want to be sexist or anything. Well, I didn't, not unintentionally. Right, right. But that is the, yeah, that is the genesis of the name Ben. And so, of course. We were just planning on trying to steal the whole no agenda community when we started the show. And we're like, oh, you know, grumpy old Ben. I mean, the movie Grumpy Old Men. I mean, that was that was an easy one. And so it was just kind of easy to go. Oh, here's a nice play on words. And I think originally you thought the yeah. name sucked. I don't know if that's ever changed. Well, I, I still think it sucks <laughs> because it has crappy SEO. You say grumpy old Ben's and people are like, what? How do I? I don't know how to put that in a search engine. <laughs> But there are a lot of badly named podcasts. At least we named ever. We at least we spelled everything correctly. My other show is Random Thoughts with R E N D U M B, spelling random rather than random. And that, especially with the talking devices, oh my god, they're finally catching up. Yeah, well, your show is finally getting big enough that that there, it's even on Alexa's radar. I know, and really, this is right now. We just hit. Grumpy Old Ben's episode 109. Random Thoughts has 109. We are like simpatico for one brief moment. Yes, uh, I, I suspect that uh, Random Thoughts is going to pull ahead next Wednesday. And then uh, Grumpy Old Ben's will have uh, uh, one of those Biden curves that jumps up above and then we'll, <laughs> we'll win, win the race at yes. the end because they'll, they'll just call it as soon as we're ahead. 
it will snap right up. But, uh, you know, both shows have a similar topic. So if you like this one, you're going to love that one. Just it's grumpy old Ben's Sim- similar hosts too. with with 100 percent less Bembro's. <laughs> that is the that's the tagline. At least it should be. And I think the actual it, tagline it, it on could uh, be, uh, you know, yeah, and it, you would <laughs> if, if you go ahead and put my name on randomthoughts.com without putting it on grumpyoldbens.com it's there i showed you it was there i know no it's only there in an easter egg though but it says easter eggs and now when people search (laughs) every page of grumpy old bens has your name on it now (laughs) it's there it's it's there to be proven you you can't i noticed there is a r underscore bemrose i think it is on twitter that a couple of the no agenda people are following because i think they think it's you I yeah I, it's not <laughs> I, I did have a Twitter account at one time and if you can find that then good for you because I'm definitely not going to be posting there because I deactivated it four years ago uh, so you, you're not going to find me on Twitter but you will find me on uh, on the Fediverse at Sir Bemrose at noagendasocial.com if you want to follow all of the horrible things that I say that's the best place to do it. And if you need an invite to the Fediverse, to noagendasocial.com, go to Grumpy Old Ben's in that right sidebar where the Easter egg that says Ryan Bemrose is also on the show or something whippy like that. Uh, You can get the link you need to get on to No Agenda Social. Our buddy Larry from that Larry show.com was asking again. We keep telling him the same thing. Go to, uh, you know, either No Agenda Social or he's big enough. He's got a large enough audience. Yeah, he, he could have that Larry dot show uh, dot or social dot or whatever it is. Yes. I mean, totally. He should, because that is where I think social media is going. Unfortunately, the the segregating is going to be the king with social media because people just don't want to play nice together. There's no question sure. about but it. The Fediverse has already solved that problem, which is that if you are. Uh, if you are completely woke, then you just sign on to one of the many, many Fediverse servers that has all the free speech servers blocked, and then you get your bubble. Right. And you can um, do that. You know, I mean, if that's all you want, I mean, that's fine. Set up a social media you know, server just for you and your friends, and that way you can say any crazy stuff you want. You can make any distasteful jokes, trade any memes, and nobody's going to stop you. Try Husker says that I need a squeaky chair. Everybody um, loves the squeaky like maybe chair. Maybe I need to sand down the joints on this lazy boy or something. I mean, there's nothing my wife enjoys more than listening to random podcasts like when uh, Adam Curry was on Andrew Horowitz's show, The Disciplined Investor, I think it's called, and they're talking about the whole no agenda thing and and uh he made a, a Dvorak, he made a comment uh the Andrew did about Dvorak's squeaky chair. And Adam's like, yeah, we even have producers that make songs about it. And the, the, he presses the button. And the next thing you know, I'm singing on the Andrew Horowitz. Uh, <laughs> that, that was that was good. I, I, I have to admit, I sang along. <laughs> well, you have to. It's a great tune. But, you know, that is the beauty of the whole podcast ecosystem and having an ecosystem where the people that are involved in the show are taking you know it's not just a listener thing adam was totally right to make everybody producers because people bring so much and the same with grumpy old bens there's always people sending things in there's always i mean money is great but yes. there's here's show i here's we, topic we, ideas we love our experts here on grumpy old bens we do and we work on the value for value model because that is what we have found works the best but 
we do want to, I mean, especially now with the holiday season coming up. Well, and because I think you finally realized, what was it that we had over a hundred person, a hundred people, hundred producers on the live stream for the last show. And I know we're at over a hundred again today, or the fact that, you know, it seems like it's more like, uh, you know, 2000 plus now listening to, you know, downloading, listening. I mean, it's always hard to tell the metrics. I I do honestly have to ask, don't you people have something better to do? No. Okay. (laughs) So keep listening and downloading the show. Yes. Yes. We appreciate it. I mean, hopefully we're bringing you and it's hard to do, but it's something that I picked up from a brand way back when I did a whole episode on him over at random thoughts where he was just the wacky guy, never touched on politics or anything like that, but was very entertaining. And I like the news guys. I mean, I like the guys like Rush Limbaugh, Bill O'Reilly, you know, even Glenn Beck where you're you know you want to be in back for a long time and maybe he still does had a uh, tag phrase for his show which was the evolution of entertainment and enlightenment and it's like that's kind of what we're trying to do we don't want to just be like let's talk about the news this is depressing we actually want to do an entertaining show but we also want people to walk away not just going well that was a nice you know jerk off and we laughed a little bit but i want people walking away saying things like Oh, you know, I didn't really know about the pie hole. Somebody messaged me the other day on No Agenda Social, I think it was, with like, hey, thanks for talking about Cody, because now I, I set one of these things up and I'm using it for all my media. We want people to walk away from the show going, you know, I think we learned something, but we also had fun. I, I you can go ahead and say that's your motivation. I'm honestly just here because I've got to get some of these this complaining off my chest. And my <laughs> wife is tired of listening to it. See, now that makes sense. She's just like, go into your room. And talk to your talk to your imaginary yeah. friends on the <laughs> go, internet. Go talk to the microphone. Yeah, and so I like to imagine that there's somebody on the other end of the microphone, and I just sit here and whine and bitch into it for two hours in the morning. Yes, but I mean, we are looking to continue to expand Grumpy Old Ben's because that was your question to me. Without going completely inside baseball and boring people, you were like, "Well, you know, are we happy with where we are? Because it's all oh, it's good. We're having fun." We have a very nice audience, some great experts slash producers. You know, are are we happy with this or do we really kind of want to, you know, make a push? Because day one, I said, okay, it's going to be really hard to get like up to 100 people listening to the show because that's that's the hardest. You told me you told me the the first part was really hard and we managed to get that because we we grabbed clawing and kicking and screaming onto the back of some more successful podcasts. That's genius. But but the other thing that you told me and, and part of the impetus for bringing that up at the time was you said uh, most shows will will never hit 100. But if you're really going to hit your stride, that that seems to be the point. Yes. And well, we hit 100. So I'm kind of looking around going, is there a stride nearby? Well, when we hit a thousand and I you need know, to hit over, something you know, over a thousand. And now it's like, OK, now is the chance because I mean, when you're going by word of mouth. I mean, you, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like the coronavirus. How many people are going to be infected with grumpy old beds? How many people are going to infect their friends and infect their family with grumpy old beds? And then they're going to get infected. You know, we're trying to increase the grumpy old beds infection rate is is kind of what we're doing. So yes, what what is the R not for a podcast? I don't know. Somebody has to do that work. Sir, Matt, you, you're not doing a podcast. Figure out the stats for us on that. <laughs> poor guy. Maps with Matt will be back one day. Yeah, but poor, poor, poor guy has to put up with getting crap from you every single episode, <laughs> nearly every episode. But I love Sir, Matt, you 
he was feeling under the weather and he was coughing. And I'm like, dude, you have, you have a fever. He didn't, doesn't seem like he had the Rona, but he just had a really bad cough. And now, I mean, when you have a really bad cough in the era of Rona, people get worried about you. We've had some people disappear from the troll room and stuff like that. We're concerned when, uh, when people just make a quick exit. Oh my God. I, my, I almost had somebody call 911 on me because I got a glass of water down the wrong pipe. Really? <laughs> Where were you? Uh, right here. Oh, really? So somebody you knew? No, no. I actually just made that story up, but it was good, wasn't it? No, wasn't good at all. Um, oh. but part <coughs> part of <laughs> are you are you see that was a Jonathan Brandmeier bit back in the day. You would get somebody on the phone, and without telling them they were taking part in a game, you would have to make them ask you the question: Are you choking? And almost nobody ever did. I mean, it was it was great. You know, you just call up a friend and you're like, hey, Ryan, how you doing? I just wanted to. Oh, And then you'd see if the person would say, are you choking? But it was great to try to increase the grumpy old Ben's, you know, to, to increase that R factor. Uh, we decided I mean, different things. One uh, part of that is there's a huge podcasting community. We enjoy having guys like Larry from that Larry show on, and of course, Carl from Who Are These Podcasts. And I have, you know, an invite from him. So I need to make that happen. Loved having the conversation, the swap cast with the guys from Grimerica. And that was a place I will thank Grimerica profusely because over the last six months, as far as having an event that caused a major increase in the people listening to us at one single time. It was being on Grimerica. There's nothing else that was even close to it. People heard us on Grimerica and then went, oh, we'll check these idiots out. So yeah, which I'm 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 surprised considering that they'll never talk to me again because I called them whack jobs or something. Is isn't that the rumor <laughs> that's going around? No, you were just you were a little uh skeptical, I think is the word you like to use on the uh the alien. Well, I am skeptical. I mean, you're it's, skeptical. Most any normal thinking person needs to be skeptical until presented with enough evidence that they can be convinced. And when you first introduce when you are first introduced to a topic, you never have enough evidence that you should believe it on the first listen of any podcast or whatever. You should always listen to this and be like, huh, there are people who believe this. I should probably check that out. It's it's kind of. I, I, I don't know if I've told you my explicit goal on this. Everybody accuses me of, of being like, oh, Ryan, Sir Bemmer just thinks that you should believe him. No, that is absolutely the wrong thing. In fact, you should not believe anything that I ever say. There's your cold open. <laughs> um, what, what you should do and what my goal is on here is I am going to present my side of things and I do not apologize for being biased or bringing you things that support my side and my position. What I want you to do is go, huh, I wonder if he has a point. I should go check it out and go do your own research. If you are blindly believing everything that I say on here, then you're not engaging your thinking. And I failed. Yes. I mean, and to be fair, you're skeptical that we're all actually that you're not alone in the world. And this is just a big computer simulation. I don't have enough evidence to support the otherwise. <laughs> See, you have to do the homework. So the end result is we are taking an opportunity, especially between now and the end of the year and into January. If you have a podcast and you would like Ryan or I to be guests, we figured we shouldn't do a lot of shows together because then we'll just do grumpy old Ben's. But if you really want that, we can make it happen. 
But if you have a podcast and you want us to guest, let us know. I've already talked to a Chris or seat sitter who I've been on a show a couple of times, just having fun. He's like, you know, we've never had you on uh, by yourself. Do you want to come on? I'm like, sure. So I think that's happening next Wednesday. And we, you know, also are opening it up. We're not a show that normally has a lot of guests on, but this maybe is a time to kind of test that out briefly. And maybe even if there's people that just want to, you know, have shorter things to say, don't want to do like a two and a half hour, three hour show. You know, we can do smaller segments and just bring people in and run that as part of the grumpy old Ben's. Cause I know there's a lot of people in the audience that have great stories to tell. I still, I keep wanting to get Jay Finley on. I want to hear the freaking stories from his ute, if you will. Those freaking stories. Yes. That, and that's P H R E A K. Right. Freaking stories for those not involved in the uh, early days of phone freaking and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it sounds like he got himself into trouble. And I think those are great stories and I want to hear them. But that's kind of where we're looking at going for the next couple of months. We may have more episodes that go in weird, different directions because, again, we're not normally an interview show, but that may be something we're doing more of just to see where we fit in. I mean, hey, there's we're only doing two shows a week now. Well, Maybe we, we need three shows a week. How many do we need? Oh, Four? my God. I mean, I, how much how much Bemrose and O'Neill can people handle? <laughs> well, no agenda. I mean, they're already getting O'Neill five days a week. <laughs> hey, there's your cold opener, too. Um we have, you know, two no agenda shows. We have Mo Facts with Adam Curry. We have Adam. So he's actually doing four shows a week. Um, we would have to do at least five to beat him just alone. Uh, he's the hardest working podcaster in the world. No question about it. And God bless the man. I mean, for, he's not kidding when he says that this is his full time job. Yeah. And God bless him because he wants to make this system better for every one of us that are even throwing our hat into the ring to try to be able to one. Even if you're never going to make a penny at it, to not be deplatformed so people can listen to you no matter what, that's a major plus. And two, if you can figure this thing out where you can get payments without having to have the banks in between where people cannot have to worry about like, oh, I said something wrong on my show. So now I can't collect payments. That will be a beautiful thing as well, because we all know PayPal, we know Patreon, all these things could be pulled out from under us at any given time. And I will say I've softened slightly on PayPal. Now that I've only been going into PayPal without the VPN, the recaptures have disappeared. Now, why didn't these idiots at PayPal tell me that? I would have been <laughs> a lot calmer just to be like, oh, okay, I get it. I'll just start making sure I never log in in the VPN. I mean, customer service, folks, that is the the bottom line for the folks at paypal but uh well, I, I think i think your problem was was mistaking that what they their platitudes on twitter was anything like customer service yeah that is that is true darth raider said he's already listening to me 24 7 through my hacked alexa device so that's cool i mean i hope he's enjoying all of the content i mean we could start that. i mean who was that justin tv was that the guy that started that like way back when like i'm gonna yeah. live stream my life I mean, the, you, you, one could argue that he's, it was the founder of the modern internet because it's kind of what everybody does now. Yes. We're just going to put ourselves on the internet all day, all night. We're just going to tell you what we're thinking. And I thought he was crazy back then. And I think everybody who does it today is crazy too, but you know, I like my privacy. Yes. There is a little bit of an overshare. There's a big difference. And that's, I mean, that's really another reason I always enjoyed even though I wasn't a daily listener, I enjoyed where Rush Limbaugh was coming from, which was 
he it wasn't about him it was he was doing the work and he was uh talking about things in the political sphere but it was never about him and uh you know again i think there's probably a little bit of a balance i think a lot of the things that make podcasts a little bit different is and I mean, audience size makes a difference too because no agenda is so big there's a lot of people that want to be noticed especially by adam and because he's in the the chat slash troll room during the show <laughs> yeah um where dvorak i think is fairly smart not to take part in that um, the, the troll room has been toying with uh 300 people active during the live show these days well that's because they're is, like 2500 listening is it quite the cacophony i'll let you know <laughs> yes the the conversation is fast and furious and people all want that you know interaction with the podfather rightfully so and uh, i mean i know that he gets so many requests you know people and now especially now that he's doing podcasts again i'm sure he is over totally over uh blown out by the amount of people are like including us be like hey you want to come on our show i mean i haven't really asked but i just don't want to keep adding to that workload for him but you know he went on nick the rat so if he'll go on nick the rat I mean, grumpy old Ben's is is probably hey, Nick the rat is a professional. He's been in this business a long time. Yeah, but it doesn't mean he's good at what he does. <laughs> you don't have to be to be professional. This That's... is podcasting. <laughs> I love Nick the rat. He is the best rat doing a podcast that I know. Nick the rat radio.com, I think, is where you want to go to find all of Nick's stuff. But we do have some producers, some experts to thank for today's show. First and foremost, Gary Blatt comes in with 10 bucks saying in the morning. That's again, you know, no agenda community. We love these guys. Here is a few dollars for Sir Ryan Bemrose microphone fund. So one person came in for the Sir Ryan Bemrose microphone fund. He says, uh, keep up the grumpy. Oh, right. I I made a a very ill-advised promise, didn't I? Yes. That if you got like it was it was a something stupid like only 60 dollars or something and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that i said 500 <laughs> i think people might have to fact check you on that i don't think you thought about the math uh, beforehand but he says keep up the grumpy keep up the good work thank you for your courage sir gary thank you sir gary uh also coming in today our, our buddy sir quiston who set up a sub and he was asking about doing things direct from the bank and i guess yeah we could do that i want to know what the easiest way to do that um I mean, it seems weird just giving out like your routing number and your bank number, which is, I mean, really, I know anybody you give a check to has that information, whether you want to make that information public. I've always thought that would be a great way for uh, fraud to propagate. And I'm not really sure if somebody's an expert on that. How do they, especially with all of these things, because I've been printing our own checks for years that's been available to go and buy the you know check paper and you print up your own checks. I've always wondered what stops somebody from just getting a check from somebody going, hey, this looks like a good account to screw with and then going and, and writing a bad check so. uh, because you, you can use that information to deposit funds in. But unless there's some special authorization, they can't take funds out. So if if somebody wants my my checking account and, and routing number, I could I could probably publish that if you desperately wanted to put money in, but nobody, not even any of my uh, utilities, nobody gets the right to take funds out of my checking account. Yeah, but it's what actually if you- one of my big one of my big peeves with modern utility companies is all of them are like, well, just just authorize your bank to let us remove money and then you don't have to worry about paying bills. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and then I can cancel your service and you'll keep charging me 
and I don't have any way. No. How about I'll just go ahead and make the bill or deal with the bill every month. I'm fine with that. Yeah, but there's nobody like has a right to take my money without me being in the loop. Versa check, whatever it is, you could buy check pages and put them through your printer and somebody that can take that information and go cash that check. Then, I mean, it'll be eventually figured out as fraud, but yeah, it's going to come and, out of your account briefly. Uh, yeah, but that's what FDIC is for. I suppose. Uh, we also have Jeremy Kavanaugh coming in and Harry Hamster, of course, with uh, 314. That's a sign, I think, for uh, for something. I'm not sure what, but Jeremy, Harry Hamster, we appreciate it. And uh, we did have a note, too, from a uh, listener slash expert named Joe, who said, I just want to say, man, I wish I'd started listening to you and Ryan sooner. I mean, so this guy's obviously deranged. This is some this- maybe. I mean, there's definitely I mean, there's there's evidence of. Eh. He you says, know what? We're we're gonna have to monitor this condition yes. for a little while. He says, as an equally grump dude named Ben, who has been a cable monkey, network engineer, DevOps engineer, help desk dude, uh, REL engineer. What's an REL engineer? Relationship engineer? I don't know, but it sounds technical. Yeah, cloud engineer. I greatly appreciate the product you both have put together, and can't wait to catch up on the backlog and hear more of what you put out. Thank you for your courage. No, thank you, Joe, for your courage. If you're going through the backlog now that we're at 109. I mean, we've yeah. always heard like people with no agenda at like 12, 1300. They're getting up to like, yeah, I went back to one and start uh, listening. No, no agenda. I think recently passed a full week of, of solid. Like if you just put it on at one X speed and play and hit play for the entire playlist, it will run for more than seven days now. Yeah, at least. I mean, that's a lot of content. And I mean, hey, that's we're not quite there, but you can definitely. I mean, we, we can challenge a lot of Netflix binge sessions is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is a big part of being successful. However, you want to rate that as a podcaster doing the episodes is doing the work. Key. Yeah, I didn't want to use that cliche yet again, <laughs> but it is because there's That's no what question I'm here for. You're welcome. The more you do, the more people that you pick up if you're doing it right. And there's a lot of, you know, there's all grassroots. So we rely on everybody. I mean, again, we love the people that support the show by sending in their cold, hard cash. It's also very helpful. You know, hey, if you don't have the opportunity to do that right now to talk about the show, post it anywhere online to give it a good review on any of these podcast apps or all that. The grassroots is the only way this thing is growing. We don't have a big advertising budget. I mean, we have a little we, bit, but that's yeah, still not going to get you much. We don't take advertisers, but we also don't buy advertising. Not yet. I mean, it may not be a bad idea to test, but it would be like, hey, let's throw a hundred bucks into, you know, God forbid, Facebook ads for looking for everybody that's like Joe Rogan going, hey, this asshole is going to start charging you money soon. Get on our show. I mean, we're not as good, but we're free. <laughs> I, yeah, that might be the best thing you can possibly say about this show. <laughs> We may not be good, but we're free. <laughs> Truth in advertising, folks. Truth in advertising. You got anything else? I mean, this has been another, another. Uh, I I have a cat on my full bladder, so we should quit. <laughs> <laughs> so many choices for the opening line for the cold opener on this one. But hey, we want to thank everybody really for hanging out with us live when we do these shows live over at noagendastream.com. Thank you for everybody who is downloading these shows. And uh, turning their friends onto the show, I mean, punching them in the mouth, kicking them in the nuts, whatever you want to call it. We appreciate it. 
And because we do, we'll be back on Friday yet again for some more of this grumpy old Ben's goodness. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I don't have a cat on my lap and I don't have a full bladder. And from America's left coast, where I like my appliances dumb so that they won't organize and rise up against me. I'm Ryan Bemrose. They still will. Thank you.